Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry with me as we come to you live from our studios on South College Street. Of course, today we'll be talking a lot about the Iron Bowl as uh, for the full three hours, I imagine, you're going to be taking a lot of your phone calls. I know a lot will be on everyone's mind from what is going to go down is one of the most heartbreaking Iron Bowls in Auburn history on Auburn's side of things. Uh, a missed opportunity or two late in that one for Auburn to seal the victory, so we'll talk about that. We'll kind of sum up Season 1 of Hugh Freeze and uh, talk a little bit about what's ahead for Auburn football uh, as there will be a bowl game and there will be uh, some other things to talk about. So we will get into all of that today. Uh, of course, we'll take all your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll also have best and worst of the weekend at the end of the show. I imagine what the worst is going to be for everyone here. Uh, but uh, we will do that as we always do on Monday. If we have time, we'll get into some of the uh, other coaching news. There's coaching carousel stuff to talk about. Vacancies in the Southeastern Conference already being filled and so if we get to that, we get to that today. If not, we'll get to it tomorrow. But, of course, going to focus heavily on the Iron Bowl today. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here on this Monday. I'm fighting just a smidgen of a cold, so if uh, hopefully I can uh, be durable throughout three hours. Uh, but I uh, wouldn't miss this show, obviously, because a lot to talk about. Brant Daughtry, you were in the press box with me this weekend we took advantage of the ability that media has to go down the field the last five minutes. Electric environment. It's glad to be there with you, and I uh, hope you had a, a good rest of your weekend, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The environment was incredible. It always is for the Iron Bowl. Jordan-Hare Stadium is one of the toughest places to play uh, in college football, um, and and that's just kind of common knowledge at this point. Um, I, I think from now on we should just abandon any idea that – an Iron Bowl in Jordan Air Stadium is just not going to be close because those kids, I mean, they get up for it, right? I mean, it's they, Auburn will always play up to Alabama, especially at home, um, unless it's just an awful, awful year. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. Auburn just couldn't quite pull it out. They, uh, they, had, they had chances, you know, and that's what hurts most about this is uh, with all the chances that you had, you just couldn't take advantage of them. Well, you know, Alabama uh, Alabama made the big plays when they had to, uh, and credit to Alabama. And I mean, we can, I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about the, the last couple of plays of where, where Alabama scored uh, on that fourth and 31. We'll, we'll talk about that whole sequence. But there were a couple of times um, 
Ryan, you called it in the press box when we were at the end of the first half. Auburn scored, um, and then hold on, let me look at my my thing here. Yeah, uh, make Auburn, it fourteen ten. Yeah, Auburn scored to make it fourteen to ten uh, in favor of Auburn. And you said, okay, you scored with two and a half minutes to go. You can't let Alabama go down the field and score here. Well, Alabama didn't drive. They got to about midfield, or they got a little shy of midfield, about to the 30. Um, And then uh, Jermaine Burton was just very, very open for a very easy touchdown. And plays like that, that was the only really major play that Auburn allowed in the first half, uh, or really in the game outside of the very last play. Um, But but just Auburn couldn't do – Auburn couldn't prevent the big plays when it absolutely had to. And I think that's what we'll look back at this Iron Bowl and go, man, this was a very missed opportunity. Tom Peavy, how was your weekend, sir? Very, very busy. Uh, Anytime it's rivalry weekend in Auburn, Alabama, and you work at a bar, it's going to be very busy. absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Friday Friday was slammed when I was working, and then I had to work again on Saturday and even more slammed. Uh, a mixture of uh, celebratory Alabama fans and Auburn fans are drinking away their sorrows, but uh, hmm. it was uh, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a good weekend as far as as far as work goes, but uh, yeah. I mean, that game uh, definitely missed opportunity, um, and I I felt like I felt like, and I think everybody felt like that Auburn played that game well enough to win uh, and. Probably should have won that game. Uh, uh, that that fourth and thirty-one, it was a point one percent chance uh, of that play happening, according to the ESPN whatever predictable predicting things that they do. Point one percent chance, uh, and they didn't do it. And um, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of talk about that last play. I, I will say this, I. I agree mostly with the defense that was called. The one I do have questions about, um, you know, if you're going to rush to, uh, why was the one guy spying? I mean, what, yeah. what was he spying? Because, I mean, even if even if Milrow takes off running, he's still got to gain 31 yards, and by that time, the guys from the that are in the end zone are going to come up and be able to gang tackle and make a play unless they start just throwing the ball around uh with some uh, laterals then you just get into just complete wackiness you're playing football then yeah that's so that's i don't i do. don't know that my, that was my one thing is i don't understand the spy uh you're just trying to bring the two on the ends and obviously they're not going to get there because there's a bunch of offensive linemen and the one guy that was spying it just felt like a waste um and, and then i guess the on the back end of that i guess it was just bad execution uh, listening to Hugh Freeze, de, you know, describing things. When you have that many guys back there in the end zone, you should never have a one-on-one. That that's when you de, when you draw up a play like that to defend what is ultimately a hail mary. You should never have a one-on-one in the corner of the end zone. So uh, there was just bad execution there, and um, you know, the defensive back allowed the receiver to get behind him, and they found themselves one-on-one in the corner. I, you know, it, it's just. It's inexplicable, but it happens. And then, of course, you know, you never get there without the muff punt, but, you know, he slips. I, I mean, I it's 
it's one of those things. I mean, maybe if he if his feet stay under him, he catches the ball, but he slips and and all hell breaks loose. So it's going it's one of those that's going to burn for a very very long time. Uh, and it also just the the fact that it was on the ten year anniversary of the kick six. And everybody's been celebrating the, the anniversary of the kick six and there's all the hype about it. And then to have something as monumental to basically, I mean, obviously it didn't walk off the game, but it practically did, you know, to come back and bite you in the butt. Um, just it, it, it stings. Uh, that, that one's going to be hard to get over. But I think the future is bright for this team. The recruiting still looks bright. Uh, man alive, the, the, the group of wide receivers that were here on campus for that game, if Auburn can just rein in like two or three of those guys to maybe give themselves some decent wide receivers because I think that's been a big problem with this team this year. Um, and then obviously we'll see what happens with quarterback. But I think the future's bright, but this one's going to linger for quite a bit. Yeah, and a little bit later we'll go through, uh, not a fun topic admittedly, but we'll go through where this ranks in terms of most painful uh, Auburn losses, or at least Iron Bowl losses, I imagine it's going to be quite high uh, for especially the latter. Uh, We've already got a full bank of phone calls, so we're going to go ahead and go to the orthopedic clinic phone line. I have to be a little bit briefer with some of these today because we're going to have a lot of calls today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. One triple eight nine tiger 9 We'll start off today with... Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I got home early, but uh, really didn't want to discuss why. Uh, I got a guy in trouble with, at my friend's house in Florida, so I don't want to talk about that. But um, <clears throat> I would, hey, Tom, I agree with you. Uh, game for Auburn should, like, uh, the the quarterback, he should have played a little bit up. On when the Alabama scored that touchdown, and they were um, defense don't look the defense did not look too good. And but um, this question is for all three of you guys: If you call for a fair catch, how much space are you supposed to let the receiver um, have if you call a fair catch? Like when more call a pair of catch and it slipped out of the hands but how many feet are you supposed to have for the, the player to make the pair of catch you you can you can they, so there used to be a rule in place that you had to give them uh what they called the halo you had to give them some space now there's no halo rule they can be right up on you but they don't they can't touch you so they can be right up in your face as long as they're not touching you or waving their hands in your face to try to hinder you from catching the ball. They can be right up on you as close as possible. They just can't touch you or uh, like do something to distract you or, or something from making the catch. Well, <clears throat> hey, Brent, how you doing? I'm all right, Matt. How about you, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, a question for you, and he, he, all three of you can answer. I want to go back to the touchdown when Alabama's quarterback threw to the wide receiver for Alabama, and I think it was number like four for Auburn that was trying to cover him and stuff like that. He, he, he wasn't playing like real close. Explain to me why he wasn't, um, playing so close on, on, 
man to man or something like that, and he let the Alabama wide receiver score a touchdown. I thought he was supposed to play like really up real close. And what kind of defense was Auburn playing? So Auburn was playing a, a pretty much a prevent defense, not a 100% prevent defense, but uh, mostly that was what they were doing. And, and look, DJ James was trying to stay close. If it was easy to stay close to a guy like Isaiah Bond, he wouldn't have nearly as many catches and yards and touchdowns as he does have this year. I, I, I'll say this, Auburn does not pl- have that game as close as it was without the play of DJ James in that game. He was incredible. Um he got beat on the very last touchdown, and that sucks. And that's the life of a corner. He he played an incredible game for you know at every snap of that game, but one. Um, he was awesome, and well, and just he got he got beat. I mean that's what it was. I'm I'm concerned that he was allowed to be in a position where he was the only guy covering that receiver. Uh, I think that questions can be asked about that when you when you're dropping eight and. A guy's by himself in the corner with one guy on him. I, I don't know. There, there. I, I, I don't have an exact answer, but I will say that I, I think that something better could have been done there. Well, this, hey, this question is for all three of you guys, and you know this is some trivia. Um, listen, do you like? Do you guys think that they should have had like Robbie in probably the the second half and maybe brought in uh, the third string quarterback, or do you think they should? have left Peyton played the whole game like he he was doing. I, I don't think any of us think that Peyton Thorne is Thorne is to blame for this. He didn't have a great game, but uh mm-hmm. I don't I certainly don't think that Robbie Ashford or Holden Gurner would have been any better. Well hey, what about uh the uh player from um Cam uh the one that has re- committed to Cam Coleman? Uh, yeah. Is he still coming, coming to the Auburn, or has he still um, made a decision yet? No, no official decision until he signs on the dotted line there on his uh, national letter of intent on signing day in mid-December or late December. But uh, he's still committed to Texas A&M as of now. Auburn uh, feels like they've got a real shot at it. I think they do too. But as of right now, he's still committed to Texas A&M. What, what do you guys think about the uh, coaches – Sam hired, and then the one from uh, for Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, Mike Elko. I think that's a good hire. It's not necessarily flashy, but A and M's coming off of of a disastrous, flashy hire. So I think they're going with more of the the soft spoken. You know, a guy who hasn't. You didn't have to poach this guy from a big time program. Um, do he? This guy's made Duke football watchable. He's. He's. I think he's a really good. Head coach, I think he's been a really good defensive coordinator uh, for a long time. Jeff Lebby uh, at Mississippi State, I don't know, remains to be seen. Uh, he's he's never been a, a head coach before, I don't think. So, uh, had some good years and some bad as an OC. So we'll we'll see how that works out. Hey, how, how many points is Georgia favor by, uh, by this week uh, in, a, in the championship game? Yeah, I, I think that they uh, – the, I know they are favored. I, I think it's five and a half right now. Okay. And um, I'm going to do some uh, – how about I do some uh, college football trivia? Yeah, man, I, I'm sorry, man, but we're just not going to have time to do trivia today. We'll, we'll It's going to be too busy on the phone line. We already got a lot of another calls behind you. Well, hey, if Jane takes any other questions, like I said, I will uh, – if you guys can write them down for swimming, if he wants to know what I'm doing in swimming, 
or where I have, like, the baseball I'm playing, where I'm playing at and stuff like that, I can tell them, and I can give get answers. If anyone wants to know what position I'm playing um, for next year for baseball, I will tell them. Uh, and on stuff like that, if he has any questions for swimming or kind of baseball, pitching, where I'm playing at or where I'm playing at, I will give him, I'll give you guys the answers next Monday if you guys have any questions. All right, sounds good. We appreciate the phone call today, Matt. Uh, hey, Todd, tell your girlfriend. I said, hey, she owes us a lot of money. Ah, we'll do it. All right, warrior guys. Warrior Matt. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, many more of your phone calls at 334-887-3401. No clear toll-free, one tiger 9 Sports call returns after this timeout. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LeRoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Monday. The cool weather's finally arrived, Tom. Yeah. Uh, I I quite enjoyed watching the uh, Iowa State-Kansas State game Saturday in yeah. a blizzard. <laughs> I, I had zero clue that was going to happen, uh, and that was, a, that was a sight to see. I, yeah, I didn't, realize, I didn't realize how much of the Midwest was actually getting hammered with snow mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, and I saw uh, Tim Brando post a thing on Twitter, and I, and it was kind of showing the field. And I was like, "Oh, we, yes, we're getting a snow game." So I had to watch a little bit of that because I'm just a sucker for snow games. Yeah, well, and again, they uh, they don't happen a whole lot, uh, especially not in the NFL now, where they're getting more and more domes built up north and that sort of thing. Uh, so football's not meant to be played in a dome. <laughs> uh, so again, that, those those still happen. They can still happen at the Great Lambeau Field and that sort of thing. But oh, it was uh, fun to Kansas City gets them quite mm-hmm. a bit. Buffalo definitely gets yeah. them. Oh yeah, wow. But uh, it was uh, it was fun to see that in college there. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Back to the orthopedic clinic phone line we go. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you today? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know everybody's upset with uh, Hugh Freeze and what he did with the Iron Bowl. I mean, we were right there at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, we should have had a we should have took a knee. You know, Peyton Thornton should have took a knee and just ended the game right there. But I just don't know what will happen now with the Iron Bowl behind us. Do you think that Auburn might have a slim chance? of going to a bowl game this year and what bowl game would we what bowl game will Auburn attend this year as uh bowl season actually comes. 
uh, approaching for Auburn. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what, what knee you were wanting Peyton Thorne to take. Uh, Auburn never got the, the chance to try to knee the game out there. They, they dropped that punt and uh, mm-hmm. they, they never had possession there and needed another defensive stop. But, uh, yeah, no, they will go to a bowl game. They are bowl eligible. Uh, that 100% will happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as far as what bowl game, I think it looks something like the Texas Bowl, uh, potentially uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl in yeah. Charlotte. Uh, mm-hmm. I think those are the two biggest possibilities. There's a small chance at Music City or Liberty Bowl, those two Tennessee Bowls, but something like that. Yeah, because if I'm actually looking at a bowl game, because I've been watching bowl games for years in college football, and I'm just going to roll the dice, and I'm going to probably say the Texas Bowl because I think, you know, that would be a very, you know, that would be very high to put Auburn in a Texas Bowl because, I mean, this is going to be their first time ever playing in that bowl game. And I'm looking at a team that might want to play Auburn. You know, maybe I would like to see Auburn and Old Miss play again, but I don't know how that's going to work. But, you know, with bowl season right around the corner, it's going to be it's going to be a tough tough road for Auburn this year as well. Yeah, if they're in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, they'll be likely playing an ACC team, a 6-7 uh, win type of ACC team, maybe Duke, Duke would be involved and Duke there, in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh yeah, that that could be one of them. Uh there's still a couple, there's still more than one possibility there. Uh, also in the Texas Bowl, Oklahoma uh, State. Yep, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State uh, is also a, a possible out there. Obviously, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's ranked, so that would be a, a pretty tough opponent. But uh, yeah, no, there's there's still several possibilities. There's several projections out there and several possibilities. Yeah, it's because I'm looking at the bowl games that are going to be coming up this weekend. I'm looking at Georgia playing against Alabama, so I think Georgia would beat Alabama again for the tenth uh, time this year. So I think Georgia Georgia fans are looking very, uh, you know, they're looking very forward to to seeing Georgia actually win again because I think. Alabama, I mean, you know, I was going to say like Georgia or Georgia Tech to actually play in Atlanta, but I think this one is just going to be a rematch of, you know, the last, the first um, playoff, the, the first game that Alabama lost to Georgia, then the second, then the third, then the fourth time they lost, and then the fifth time that Alabama lost. To Georgia, so I think Georgia has a really good chance of beating Alabama again as well. Well, this is the first time Georgia and Alabama are playing each other this year. They did meet in the title game, obviously, a couple years ago, Georgia winning that one. But uh, yeah, no, Georgia and Alabama uh, meeting for the first time this year. Georgia favored by five and a half points. It's going to be mm-hmm. a really fascinating game in Atlanta. Yeah, because I do have Georgia favorite to win, and if they win, I think that Kirby Smart has a really uh, great uh, – he has great ideas. He has a strong uh, presence with the recruiting class there in Georgia, and I'm just going to say I think that uh, one of their one of their players might get the Heisman race. I'm not quite sure on who's going who's gonna to get the Heisman trophy this year, so it's a – it's a huge uh, chance for any anybody in the college football uh, season to actually get a Heisman Trophy this year as well. 
Yeah, Georgia does have a couple outstanding players, more than a couple. They have a lot of outstanding players, but no one in the Heisman conversation. Brock Bowers would have been the closest to it, but he got injured uh, and missed a couple of games. But, uh, again, that doesn't take away from the great talent and, and ability they have. Yes, as well. And then um, I'm actually happy for um, Coach Harris and the Auburn women's basketball team over the weekend. Um, they, they really did a, a really good job at home. Uh, beating Alabama, Alabama A and M, and and I hope they have a great uh, season this year. And I probably see them actually going to an NIT or uh, a big, uh, you know, a big game in March uh, of next year in 2024 as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely the goal. Hopefully, Coach Jay and the ladies can get it going there. We've got several other phone calls to get to, James. So we'll have to go ahead and get your final thoughts right here. Well, um, I know that my friend uh, Matt from Kelsey, I know he wanted me. I know that he's at, he was asking if I have any questions about baseball or swimming. Um, I do have one question about baseball that I could, you know, that I can might that I can actually help him out with if he needs me to like teach him how to how to you know do the uh, batting stance properly or you know trying to do some catches. I can actually help him with that as well. And I can actually um, introduce him to some guys from uh, the the Montgomery Biscuits as well, and uh, meet actually introduce him to the batting coach at for the Montgomery Biscuits as well, and uh, they can actually help him out in that department as well. All right, that uh, that would be very cool. Yeah, so I'll talk to you all on Tuesday, and I'll probably take uh, some. some random trivia as well, but I don't know what kind of trivia I want for tomorrow as well. All right. Well, we'll see uh, what tomorrow brings then. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 9 tiger 9 Next up. Tony from Tuskegee. Tony is with us. Tony, how are you today? Yeah, fine. How about y'all? Doing well. Great. Yeah, what an exciting game, huh? It was. Yes, sir. Very much so. Yeah, I got a lot of guys. Uh, they don't understand the difference between football and horseshoe. And uh, I was trying to tell them, football, you know, is it is on who scored the most. Horseshoe is high close. You know, even a lot of guys, them Auburn fans, and uh, I was up there this morning in Auburn, and uh, looked like I was in Georgia. I seen some flags and shirts around Auburn. I mean, what's going on? You're saying Georgia flags in Auburn? Yeah. Oh, cheering for they cheering for Georgia now. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know if I, – I mean, I'm not going to say you didn't see it, but I would be very surprised if a lot of people were flying Georgia flags. I think people will probably be, be rooting for Georgia, but uh, I don't think they're going to be excited about it either. There's a lot of Georgia fans that live around here. I, I know quite a few Georgia, big-time Georgia fans that live around yeah. here in the Lee County area. Yeah, but in reality, though, that was the worst official game I've seen. Yeah, it's certainly not going to rank uh, rank high on the quality list. Yeah, that's one of the worst appreciate. I'm like, like I said, I'm an Alabama fan, and I was glad, you know, glad for the win. And uh, but that was one of the most appreciating games, you know, I've seen. It, you 
know, both ways. Both ways at the first of the game. Um, what was that, a face mask that sure. should have been called against Alabama? Yeah. And um, later on in the game, Alabama called a pass and said a guy stepped out of bounds, but you could see green between the white. And then later in the game, I want to ask when Alabama, after Alabama won ahead and the guy intercepted the ball, when Alabama intercepted the ball. Oh, you're talking about the last play of the game? Yeah, what happened to the score? They said he stepped out the three. I I never. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tony. I was so depressed. I didn't even. I didn't even look for that one again. So I don't know for sure. But they did rule he stepped out. Yeah. Well, I enjoy talking to you all. Yes, sir, Tony. We appreciate the phone call. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. I always enjoy talking to Tony there. Yeah. Uh, there were. The good news is that. Oh, on the officiating, there was a couple calls both teams very displeased with, uh, and the last play of the game, or there was enough wonky things to happen to not feel like it was a direct, um, you know, a direct disservice to the losing team, uh, how it was officiated. Obviously, the initial horrible call of the game was that uh, not a face mask. I mean, that's. Uh, Back when there was a 5- and 15-yard variety, that would have been 15, no questions asked. Uh, but then, obviously, there were calls late, and me and Brant have discussed this in detail. On the offsides, called in Alabama the 4th and 2, uh, the controversy surrounding that and having three people in motion at one time, and then also having um, two to three people in motion at the snap. Um, and then, you know, the... I, again, I, I legitimately, I don't know if you ever saw the replay. I don't know if he stepped out or not. I, I guess the betting line, really it wouldn't have mattered for the betting line because I think man was favored by 13 or something in that. So I, I don't think it would have mattered to anyone's pocketbook. But I, I think if they had gone for two, they would have covered is is the thing that I heard. But obviously they're not going to go for two in the yeah, moment. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, so I, I, I didn't notice that. But certainly the, the offsides, they're late. There is uh, a lot of video out there about the clapping on the on the on the bad mm-hmm. snap and that would have been something that we would be talking a lot about today i'll be truthful with you guys i wish i was i, I wish it <laughs> mattered a lot uh but alas alabama scored in that sequence anyway uh so yeah no there was plenty of things um throughout the four quarters uh to gripe about officiating ultimately though we got a crazy ending um and and the the ending itself did not end up being altered although again uh, if you were one to say that was a clap and it was um, on the bad snap and that was the reason, well, that was what put them in that situation, but ultimately they scored anyway, and, and that's why it's not uh, – it's just a, a footnote at this point. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go to our next commercial break of the show. When we come back, still more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. One at Triple Eight Nine Tiger Nine. Sports call returns in just a couple minutes. need a timeout. 
Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. And let's go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Well, gentlemen, this is how I was feeling Saturday night in the last ungodly moments of the game it's uh it's gonna be the michael scott i believe yep no god please no 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 yep yep i think think that was the sentiment of pretty much every auburn fan yep everywhere except i did it twice uh i've 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 made a promise myself from here on out in in games from here on out that, that, that matter, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Because on the punt that uh, was muffed, I, I kept saying, just just, just don't muff it, man. Just don't muff it. Just catch it. Yep. And what happens? Muff. Yep. Uh, now, I did not know it was Coy Moore at the time. I thought it was, of course, Keontae Scott. Yeah. Right. He had hurt his shoulder on the previous play. Yeah, yeah. he dinged it. But he came back in. Yep. But So let me, let me go with that one first, guys. If you've got... Not Keontae Scott, but Coy Moore. How come you just don't tell him? And I've again, I say again, I've never been a coach my damn life. Okay, but I'm saying to him, and I want to know your guys' rebuttal. Why would I have said to him, "Don't touch the damn ball. Just let it roll. And if it goes to the one yard line, just let it roll. Well, don't touch it." Because, because there are five minutes left in the game, and Alabama still had three timeouts at the time. You're trying to mount a drive right. at that point. Okay, okay, good. So good you need rebuttal. field position. Here's my, here's my rebuttal to that. I don't give a damn. If it is for four, it's four minutes and uh, 48 seconds left, you take the ball where it's at, you run it, and you've been running a whole damn game. You know, you might make at least maybe one, uh, one first down. You do. they got to start using their timeouts, okay? But at least you've got the possession, okay? And then we got a hell of a punter, okay? And he'll kick it maybe to their 30-yard line. Who knows? But at least you've got possession. You're in control, and there's no screw-up. Now what happens? They've got the ball. Or what? Or I was a twenty-five or thirty-yard line. What was it? Oh, is that what happened? I totally totally missed that. I didn't. I don't remember that happening at all. No, when they recovered the the, the, the punt, fumble. Was it about Steve, Steve I, I Steve, line? we answered your question. It's the answer. It's the answer that anybody would give you, and you don't like it, and that's fine. You don't like it because it didn't work out. But well, Steve, Steve, my, Steve, my thing is this: they they had the they have confidence that the guy could field the punt. They wouldn't have had him back there otherwise. Now, when you want to talk about conservative, and you know, you tell the guys like, "Listen, just call a fair catch, catch the damn ball, and and let's take it from there. Don't try to do anything fancy and stupid and get the ball stripped out of your hands. Catch the ball, make fair catch. Let's take the ball where it's at. That's what you're telling him. You don't tell him, "Lay, just let it go and bounce wherever the hell the ball goes." No, you, we got confidence that you catch it. You catch it every single time in practice. You've caught it times before in games. It's like that's what you do. 
he slipped. He he his feet got out from under him and he slipped and it was bad it was bad luck. But you don't tell the guy not to catch it. You tell him catch it, just fair catch it and let's get it where we're at, and then you go. But you don't want to get yourself okay. pinned. You don't want to have it take a bounce and end up getting pinned at the one inch line. All right. So uh, that's all right, Buttle. That's fair enough. I would have done different. Okay. Let's go to the second defensive play call. Now, we had the fortunate, uh, thank gosh, that there was a bad snap uh, that ends up putting uh, Milrow back at the 31 yard line. Yep. And it's fourth down. Of course, I've already heard you. And of course, everybody else in the world, uh, the Sovereign fans, saw the ESPN analytics of 99.9%, we were going to win the game. So, guys, uh, I read Hugh Freeze, I even read uh, Ron Roberts' uh, uh, defense, justification for what they did. But my question is this. Milrow is, you know, uh, going to have all day if you do, then of course he did have all day, about six, seven seconds. Okay, now, why wouldn't you do just something different, okay? And again, I'm a better coach. I'd say Let's go after him, flush him out, make him either have to scramble and maybe even have to run past the line of scrimmage, and now he can't throw it. And now I'm going to have seven people at least uh, between him and the goal line containing him, make sure he doesn't get into the end zone. So so my thing is this. Which has if, a better probability of succeeding? Uh, the, the better probability was what they did, and it just really? did not – I, yes, I, I I believe that wholeheartedly. Now I don't understand. Even with Milrow, even with Milrow just staying around and looking. Yeah, well, because you have that many defenders back there, you're supposed to have two people for every one that's that back there. I somehow that guy ended up one on one. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. That that is that is not supposed to be what happens in that situation. But Auburn did not execute that. If you if you blitz and you try to get pressure on him, first of all, they had been getting to him some, but they were also having trouble getting him down. If that happens and he gets away, now you don't have the type of de- you don't have enough defenders back there. It'd be one on one everywhere. It would it be one on one everywhere. So there's a very good chance he's going to throw a pass, and you're going to be in one on one coverage. If he does run, now you have less guys to be able to stop him. So I understand why you you treated that like a Hail Mary because that's exactly what it was. You put everybody, their feet on the on the dang goal line and because that's where it's got to go, put their feet on the goal line and don't let anybody get behind you. And when the pass is in the air, knock it down. Don't even try to intercept it. Just knock it down. And that's what they want to do. Somehow something got mixed up, ball dropped, bad execution, and you ended up with a one-on-one in the corner, and that should have never happened. But the play call, I think it was fine. Now I don't agree with the the um, I don't agree with the spy there. I think that yeah, was I that? think I think that was a wasted Asante, defender. I think one hundred percent that was, was just a wasted. Yeah, Asante didn't go. Didn't try to you know to, to flush him out or anything because they they had him there as a spy for whatever reason. I don't understand that. If you're going to have him there, at least let him come too, and maybe one of the three might be able to get back there at him, or rush two and where he's at, have him back there playing in coverage as well, and just have the two guys trying to come around through there. You know, I don't know, but I think you wasted a defender with him just sitting there spying for no reason because Milrow's not going to run it. So I think that was dumb. But now, as far as the play call goes. <coughs> That's how it should have been done. You treat that like a Hail Mary. You have everybody back. You have two bodies on one, and but Auburn dropped the ball. And 
And you ended up with that one-on-one in the corner, which should have never happened. And a receiver behind the defender. Receiver got behind the defender and ended up one-on-one. Those two things should never happen in a, in a, a Hail Mary-type situation like that. You don't let the receiver get behind you, first of all. And second of all, there's got to be two people over there. You can't just find yourself on an island on a Hail Mary situation. That's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Okay. Now, I've, I've read from uh, some other coaches that Phil Marshall talked with that they would have done something differently. They would have tried to flush him out. Um, and yeah. they, you know, you know, what's what's the odds of him being able to run for thirty-one yards for a touchdown? Well, no, the, the, that's not the worry. Was not him running for thirty-one yards. The worry was that you end up with one-on-one matchups with your secondary, and your better chance is to be in a prevent hail mary type situation where you've got multiple guys that can defend it. Because I could guarantee you this, Steve, if Auburn had brought four or five. And all of a sudden, you end up with that one-on-one, and one of those guys gets loose, and they throw it, and he's wide open. Everybody today would be sitting there going, why are we not playing everybody back and defending it? Why in the hell are we playing one-on-one coverage when he's got to go 30 yards? Why not put everybody in the damn end zone and knock the ball down? That's exactly what everybody would be saying if they brought the blitz or brought pressure and they hit one-on-one. Simple fact is, Steve, that was the defense that was called, and I think that was the right defense for that situation. Unfortunately, there was bad execution on Auburn's part, and you ended up with one-on-one, and that should not have happened. But it was the right defense for that type of play in that situation. Okay, during that season seven second, I could have eaten lunch of the middle of looking around. There was, I thought, on his right-hand side, a Auburn, a, a, a Alabama defender who was, grabbing on and kept grabbing on to uh, one of our players, uh, one of our defensive players on Jersey, uh, never let go. Um, should that not have been a flag for holding? I, that, I mean, that would be – I'll tell you this, Steve. If, if there was a flag to be thrown on that play, it would be in that coverage where it looked like he may have – pushed off a little yeah, bit and got some separation. But that's still very, very nitpicky. You don't throw the yeah. flag in that situation right there. I mean, that's that was not egregious. That was just you'd be really, really nitpicking. Um, Steve, on, I, just, on a, Steve on a, I just rewatched the play. There's not a hold there on an Alabama offensive not, lineman. No. There, he can't hold, hold to the jersey. There, there's no hold there's, there. Yeah, there's like, but that's the thing is, I mean, there's two dudes blocking one. So, I mean, it's not like he was going to get by them unless – Something crazy happened. I, I I wouldn't even worry about that. That was uh, like Brant said. There's no hole there. You could have maybe thrown a flag in the end zone for offensive pass interference, but yeesh, that, I mean, it would have been very tough. That would have been ticky tack. I mean, ooh, that would have been a ticky tack call. And we know that on those there. type of plays, we know defenses get away with plenty. Sure, as yeah. they try to leverage and kind of push and shove down in the in the, in the pile in the end zone. So that that's just not going to get called in that situation. And and yeah, and, and Auburn shouldn't have let it get to that. And and, that, and that's right, hey, Stephen. That's the thing. I, no holding. Don't even think about that. Don't even think about the push off. It should have never been one on one with that many defenders back there in the end zone. It should have never been one-on-one in the corner. That that just should not have happened. Well, I read from Hugh Freeze's uh, a conference call today that apparently we had three of our defenders on one receiver. I said, why was that? He said, that, that should have happened. He said that uh, D.J. James should not have been left on, on an island by himself. 
So I don't know what happened there, but it happened. Now, what I'm proud of, guys, is this. Uh, there were no trick plays. Remember Friday I said maybe we need some trick plays? Our team, I'll say right now, and I, I welcome a rebuttal from Anthony and from Luke and from Keith, uh, that we didn't. We outplayed Alabama. I say we outplayed them in this respect. Alabama, on their roster on that field Saturday, had probably three, if not maybe more, uh, four times as many four- and five-star players uh, on the field than, than, we, than we have. And we ran the ball down their throats for 244 yards, I believe. Yeah, it was in the 200s. Yeah, um, that's not been done uh, to, by any team playing Alabama this entire season. And when I went to staff, it said something like, I think it was like 97% of the time, the team in the Iron Bowl that outrushes the opponent almost always wins. And if you told me we had that many yards rushing, I said we won. Uh, but that aside, there were some critical moments, guys, that we, we left on, on the field that, that could have made a, the, the, the score even uh, not even as close. What about the dropped pass for a touchdown that should have never been dropped? Remember that one, right? Yeah, Javarius Johnson yeah, there. There were a couple of yeah. drops, and then you had drives that stalled, and you had to and settle for field goals. That one, one throw to him clearly could have called for maybe 30, 40 yards. He dropped it. Yep. Been a problem all season. And then, and I love the defense, but damn if they didn't do the same crap again that I was hoping they wouldn't do. Third and 17, third and what long, and they would somehow manage to make it. Either Milro ran one time for 22 yards. Uh, so those kind of plays uh, or were there. They, they could have made the game outcome be much different and not as close. You guys disagree? Hey, well, you know what you're talking about on defense. All the more reason uh, the last play, you put everybody back in coverage and you don't take that chance of, of that happening again because obviously Auburn's defense is having trouble stopping that. So why would you do it with a game on the line? All right. Well, guys, <laughs> well for, for, me, for me, guys, this is, this is my number three heartbreaking loss of all time. Number one, the BCS championship game against Florida State. Yep. Uh, that one took me a number of weeks uh, to, to, to finally get over without any uh, sleep. Number two, the Virginia double dribble that was ever called. Yep. Those are my top two as well. Yeah. And then number three, this one. Because we had them. In fact, I even read. Now, you guys were at the game, weren't you? No, you were, Tom. But, Ryan, I know you were. Brent, you yes. were there? I was also there, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was at a kick six. But I, I was reading here that people said the, the, the noise crowd level was un- unbelievable. Was it as much as it was at the kick six? I don't think it was as much as the kick six. The kick six, I couldn't hear myself after that play. That was that was the loudest single noise I've ever heard, and I've never heard anything like it uh, at Auburn or any other stadium. Um, as far as just noise being made, uh, yeah, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it was impressive. It wasn't it wasn't just oh my god, this is the loudest the stadium's ever been. But this, is, but it was very much like. I've heard the stadium get this loud before, and it's impressive every time. Yeah, I, I think that it's a bit of recency bias because I think every single time the Iron Bulls played with Auburn in, in position to win, it is that loud, uh, which is deafening loud. I still remember I was on I was on field level 19 and, and this year in 23, and I can tell you that uh, the euphoria after the doink in 2019 – uh, was was, was insane to me. So I, I, I look, it's it was incredibly loud. It was it was getting to be a party atmosphere. Uh, it was getting ready to be. Uh, it, it was awesome. But but Auburn is always awesome with their crowd in the Iron Bowl. 
and I read that people were getting ready to storm the field. Is that what you saw? They were getting close. Yep, they were. I mean, they, again, one more play. I mean, they were they were starting to starting to get ready. Yep, ninety nine percent chance Auburn was winning that game. And Brett and, Tom, and Ryan, you were there, obviously. What were your thoughts when you saw that fourth down play and Milro was standing around looking? What were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think anything of him standing around looking because that's usually about how Hail Marys go or last-minute last heaves. But uh, the second I saw as the ball got halfway there, a one-on-one, I was like, they, they, I didn't know it was going to be caught for a fact, but I said they got what they want. Because if you can get a one-on-one out of that situation, uh, even if it's not caught, you have you have done better than most. So I knew halfway through the throw that that Auburn was in more trouble than they they should have been, and uh, and yeah. If you were DJ James, would you have a cover? Why didn't you just knock him down and get a pass interference flag? Because it would have been it since it was in the end zone and first and goal at the two three yard line. Yeah, a two yard line, and I mean that's still a high percentage play. I mean I. I also, I think that once the, the little bit of jostling happened, he wasn't really in position to do that. He wasn't. Yeah. I, I've actually got it pulled up like freeze frame right here. The receiver is actually uh, jumping and going backwards as he's making it, and the defender is kind of lunging towards him. So they were yeah. not – He's the, the receiver is already falling away from him making the catch. So he, he was not in a position to, to make a, any sort of a push or anything like that. What disturbs me, though, is when I'm watching this frame of that one-on-one, there's three Auburn guys over here that watching it. You know, they were there's three guys that were covering one dude at about the U, uh, the first U of Auburn. There's three guys standing there with one receiver watching the one-on-one happen. Yeah. That, that was the problem. All right, Steve, we're about okay. out of time for this hour. I know. So I'm going to end it, guys, with this quote from the late coach Pat Dodd. And uh, if he was there at the game, I'm sure he would have said this to the players, but I'm saying it to them. There's going to be a lot of days when you lay your guts on the line and you come away empty-handed. Ain't a damn thing you can do about it. But lay it on the line again and again and again. Glad to be associated with you. You keep fighting like you did today. You keep playing like that, and you'll build a foundation so we can live a long, long time on at Auburn, and that's what I say to the guys. I'm proud of them. Not proud of the outcome, but better days are coming. Thank you guys for taking my phone call. I appreciate the therapy time. Uh, we'll do this again tomorrow, hopefully. Until then, Warrior guys. Warrior C, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. I don't want to say that the two coaches will be the same, but uh, I'm sure Brian Harson probably had a similar thing two years ago when he almost beat Alabama in Junior Stadium. Yeah, uh, although I, I would I would very quickly I, I, denounce uh, no, the comparison there, but I, I know. But hey, Harson almost beat Alabama. Right, I know. Uh, don't, again, don't, home Iron Bowls. Don't don't step out of bounds. And yep. and Brian Harson has a win over Bama two years ago. Home Iron Bowls, indeed. We are out of yeah. time for hour number one. Still a lot more to come here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. 
Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday as we continue to recap everything from the Iron Bowl. Had a slew of callers there in hour number one. If you missed them, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. So let's break some of this down, guys. We've done it a little bit in answering questions to our callers, but let's get into some of the big hot-button topics and the gameplay itself from Saturday and our views on it. So again, let's round up all of our opinions here on the on the top big plays to start off with. Starting with the obvious fourth and goal at the 31. Um, I think that we're in varying agreements on the blitz was not the right way to go. I think that we still have maybe different views on how the eight should have lined up or, or the nine or whatever. I think we all agree that the spy was useless. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you're, ne- you're wasting space. Yeah. Needed to be either a third rusher or, for that matter, even a ninth player in coverage. I, I, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I've tried to look at different views to see the anatomy of exactly how it became an isolation one-on-one in the corner. And I still don't have the view I've wanted to see. I've seen three or four different angles of it. But I I still have not found the view I'm looking for to to follow every Auburn defender and be able to see how it got isolated and exactly who needed to be in that left left portion of the end zone. I haven't seen the one from behind the – from behind the goalpost, like or from behind Milrow looking at uh-huh. at the end zone. Yeah, yeah. See, I haven't seen that. For, what I do know is like the what you can see is like I was talking to Steve. When you see the one on one, there's three Auburn guys on about the first U of Auburn. So obviously somebody got caught up in the mix right there and was not able to get over there to him. I don't know who that was, who who was supposed to be over there, but I don't think there's supposed to be three in that one location so somebody got caught up um you know uh, was was somebody uh, did some was somebody just watching the receiver and not watching what's going on you know uh, i just i think it was just poor execution the the tough reality is although 31 yards is an incredibly long play for a fourth and goal for for any any situation that you needed on that play the reality is 31 yards is not true Hail Mary distance. No. It's not you have to chuck it and pray. Uh, and so it was not. it's not necessarily simple as you just have everyone follow where the ball is because that's what happens 
in Hail Mary range. From When you're having to throw 60 yards, it takes it four or five seconds to get there. Right. And therefore, if you're within 15 yards of where it's going to end up, you can get there in that amount of time. The problem is when you're at the 30 or 35 when he ultimately lets it go, you've only got a certain amount of ground you can cover. And so with that many people out of position, there was nobody that can ultimately can make, make up, up the kind of ground right. you need to make up. If you're on the other side of the goalpost, you ain't get. I mean, right. you're not even close. And even if you're in the mid, dadgum middle of the field, you're still not getting right. there either. And so that's why, to me, it says it was something schematically that there was not enough people dedicated to not enough grass right. on the on the side because, again, you can settle for throwing it in a lo- uh, in a lob of bodies, but when you're closer, you have one or two other inklings, and Alabama clearly planned to put someone in a corner to give them the, the opportunity. And by the way, that's the smartest route anyway because you you don't have a lot of advantages when you when you've got a, a back defender at the end of the goal line and you gotta get in the goal and you gotta get in the end zone. But what you can do is spread them as thin as you as thin as you can right. and, and try and spread it out. And and Auburn was not built for whatever reason on that sequence to, yeah. to withstand that. And let's also just go ahead and say this. Uh, Milrow put that ball in about the most perfect spot that he oh, yeah. could have possibly yeah. put it. Yeah, perfect throw. I, I mean, basically back pylon. I mean, really the only person that was going to be able to catch that ball was the Alabama receiver. I mean, the the throw was about as perfect as you could ask for. Yeah. I, I mean, just a dime on the money, back pylon. Yeah, put it, put it to where if, only your guy can get it, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it, he made the throw of his lifetime right there. Even if there's no slight jostling of separation, I don't want to use the word push because then everyone's going to say pass interference right. and blah, blah. Uh, and again, we're not doing that in that, that type of play. But on, on, on that creation of space, obviously there was no way for him to get to that. But even without that, DJ James, even if he's able to hang in there, he's not on picket. He might maybe get a hand in there to disrupt it. But again, that's the anatomy of a play like that. The unfortunate part is, yeah, there was not another inch better place he could have put that. And again, that's it has also what I tell people is that is the perfect storm required for something like that. There has to be a level of incompetency on one side and a level of greatness on the other to make a play like that. Right. And, and that's what's so maddening is, again, in my opinion, yes, you you could have tweaked some things about what you did. But Auburn was in the right mindset of how to defend it. It was it, Some people, again, said blitz. The danger in that is then you were absolutely going to have one-on-ones. Right. You should not have had a one-on-one this way. I understand it became that. But – that means something went wrong in the scheme, or in the scheme, or in, in the, how it was executed. Execu- yeah. Excuse me, in the, how it was executed to get what you got here. But you were asking for one on ones the other way, and I understand Auburn was getting more creation of disruption in the second half. But in a vacuum, overall, I don't trust five people to make it a one or two second play. Right. And if you do six, then it literally is one on one everywhere. Now someone's free. 
But if they let the the right person go free, Milrow can evade them. Right. And, and and not evade to run, evade to just drift out of the pocket and then throw and then everyone's one on one. And if they spread the field the way they did, then no one's gonna be able to help. So yeah, you might I mean look, it's still a low percentage play. Again, everything thirty one yards away is inherently low percentage. But that's still a better percentage than what Auburn gave them. But then when you couple there was a bust and you couple it was a perfect throw, Auburn would have gotten away with it. Milrow throws it three feet higher, can't catch it. It goes out of bounds. Yeah. Right? And it, or, or if he throws it uh, inside, the separation wouldn't have mattered. James would have gotten a hand on it anyway. The reality is it takes two to tango there. Yeah. And Auburn allowed the opportunity because of the, the mis-execution. But then Alabama took advantage in a very finite way of that. And it's it, it, it's, it's, it, it hurts. Yeah. It, it just it does. Uh, you know, the, the only thing that I – could possibly think is if you do something like a Russian four and, and try to get some pressure on him, if you play like a cover two and you make sure you've got two two deep safeties and so, yeah, you're going to have a one-on-one, but at least you're going to have that safety help coming to help. But even with that spreading it out, there's still going to be somebody free that the safety can't get to. So you're really – you're playing with fire when you're doing that. And if you – Steve even said it himself, and that's why I jumped in there. Auburn has struggled on third down. Third and longs have been a just a bane of existence for yeah. Auburn's defense this year. They, for whatever reason, just cannot stop third and longs. They were not stopping a lot of third and longs in that one. So, And then there were times they would get on Milrow, but he was able to get out of it. They could get back there to him, but they could not get him on the ground. So I, I think if you try to just play a normal, quote-unquote, normal defense against that, I think you're playing with fire. You had to set that up the way that you did. You granted, it's not a true hell mary like you were talking about because you're not heaving it fifty yards, sixty yards, but you still play it similarly to a hell mary in the fact that yes, it is got to be thirty yards. You know they've got to get to the end zone. They're not going to throw anything short. He's not going to run. It has to go to the end zone. You put everybody back there in the end zone and you tell them nobody gets behind you. I, I don't care. I don't care what has to happen, but nobody gets behind you. And unfortunately, there was a bad execution. There was a screw up, and a guy got to the corner and he got behind a defender and he had no help. Found himself on an island, and then Milrow threw the absolute perfect pass that he could have ever thrown. And that's, just, I mean, that's what it is. Uh, it's not a play that. Um, it's not a play that you can sit there as an Auburn fan and go, man. That was just, you know, you just can't call defense for that. It's like, no, you, you can and you did. You just didn't execute it. Yeah, You guys have covered um, the spy and how it feels like you pretty much were playing with 10 men at that point. Um, I definitely would have been rushing him. I don't have any problem with the personnel that they chose. If you want to rush Eugene Asante from over center, then I, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, the idea of rushing for... Auburn's pass rush had struggled the entire game. They were not right. good in this game. Uh, Jalen Milrow had four or five seconds to throw the ball most of this game. Um, and and so it really, it's a wonder that his stat line wasn't even better than it was, honestly. But um, it, So I, I think rushing three and dropping eight was the right answer. I'm looking at a screenshot right now of a couple of seconds after the ball has been snapped. The furthest receiver downfield for Alabama is standing at about the eight running into the end zone. 
and there is an Auburn defender standing at the 15, and he's just manned up on a guy. Um, and you have three safeties standing uh, on about the goal line, maybe a yard or two into the end zone. I personally, well, and I said this to you, Ryan, uh, before this play started, I would have rushed three and put eight guys standing in a picket line on the goal line. Um, and to me, if you want to say – Go ahead and tell me what you told, what you said earlier, yeah. um, because we, we had this discussion at lunch. I've seen it some in football. It most of the time does not work. I have seen it work a couple of times, mainly in the NFL. Some teams will throw it, throw a line drive to about the five-yard line and try to have them catch it and get use their momentum to get in, and I have seen that go a couple of times. The reason sure. you do man, uh, you do trail man there, is to prevent any sort of thought that an a- athletic Alabama receiver would want it would would catch it just near the goal line and use momentum or athleticism to get in. Again, we're talking in incredibly low percentages, but that would be the thought there. Right, and th- and that's a totally valid thought. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And when we had that discussion, I told you that I thought the shallowest Auburn defender on the play was standing at about the five. Looking at this screenshot the shallowest Auburn defender is standing at the 15 right. and he's in the middle of running backwards. Yeah. So he's start probably started the play. If I had to guess around the 20, there is in, in my mind, zero reason to have a guy standing there. Um, you, you're going to get outsped by these Alabama receivers. Most of the time, Auburn secondary was great in this game, but it just, I mean, looking at this, you've got multiple guys standing on the field side of the five-yard line, you've got one guy at the 15. Everybody's running backwards. They are not looking for the ball. And what we've established is you have to get the ball into the end zone from the 31. There is a very clear mark that even if this ball is complete, if this is a 25-yard completion and your heart stops for a second and you go, oh my God, he's so close, does not matter. There, you have to get the ball across the goal line. So I see what you're saying, and so I'm going to adjust what what defense I would have said. I'm going to say put everybody on the five. Who cares if they run really fast and they have these crossers and somebody gets open at the 10, you have guys playing behind them. The end goal here is to not let anybody get behind you. That is That is the ultimate goal of this type of defense of this situational football, and I, I'm looking at this screen cap right now, and I'm going, there are three guys standing on the goal line, and there are five other guys that are just way too far upfield for me. I think that, you know, I, I understand that I agree. This is a kind of thing where, yeah, I, I think that you're doing the right thing with your defensive line, even though the spy is a waste of space. I just... I don't know. I, I don't like that you have that many defenders fa- that far up the field when it does not matter how far Alabama gets as long as they don't get in. This is, this is the ultimate, who the hell cares how many yards Alabama picks up on this play as long as it is not 31. So, I, you know, I, looking at that, I've, I've got issues not with the idea, but with the execution and the alignment. So... Yeah, again, I, I don't usually I transition better than this, but it's again it's hard to transition if you're Auburn from anything revolving around that play. 
We'll talk one more play here real briefly and take our first break hour number two. I think there's less to cover now that we have heard what the deal was, but at the time it was very confusing about Keontae Scott versus Coy Moore and fielding the punt. Obviously, if Scott is not healthy enough for that moment, and I will say this, you say, well, he was back out there at the end. Why was he not out there at that moment? Well, you get nicked up. Your your first instant, your first reaction is to come out. You get nicked up. You get looked at. Depending on the injury, you get retaped. You get tightened up. You know, whatever. So I understand why that happened. You know, there's the question on fielding versus not fielding, but I think we well established that you just can't allow the field position to change that much with four and a half minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's as improbable as it was because that happened, what, about 35, 40 yard line, somewhere in there? Something like that, yeah. Um, you know, very improbable that it rolls past about the 20 or 15. But again, you're, you can't assume, as well as Auburn had run it, that when Alabama knows they're going to run it, you can't assume three first downs you run the clock because they didn't do it. 21. Now, granted, 21, I know you brought it up before, was a lot different. Auburn had 150 yards <laughs> offense that year. Right. Uh, so yeah. they did not accomplish anything offensively but um nevertheless would have been very hard would have loved obviously the opportunity to get three first downs and see if they could do it and and end the game but the field position that sways there because ultimately that was not a great punt either alabama did not punt well i know it's random but they they did not punt well uh you you can't you can't let 20 yards for the sake of oh we don't Think, you can't, you yeah. can't play scared of turning the ball over. You expect your right. returner to make that catch. Yeah, and, and like I said, he's not back there if he has not fielded punts before. So it's not like it's a guy back there. It, he was the returner, I believe, when Scott was out, was he not? Was he yes. fielded yes. five yeah. or six punts yeah. earlier this year? You're not, you're not talking about baseball putting a catcher in the outfield and making him all of a sudden <laughs> catch a fly ball. Like, guy has never caught a, a punt in his life. And like, why did we put a guy back there that has never fielded a punt? No, the guy has fielded plenty of punts. And so there's there's absolute 100% confidence that he can go back there and catch the punt. And like I said, that when you want to go conservative, it's like, listen, just fair catch it, catch the ball, secure it. Don't try to run and do anything fancy and get the ball knocked out. If you just secure the ball and we've got the ball right there, then we're golden. And that's probably what the plan was. And Moore, Moore did call for a, for a fair catch. He was sure. going to do that. And then his foot went out from under him. I mean – he slipped. Yeah. They were trying to make an adjustment when he slipped, but he still slipped. His foot went out from under him. I mean, it was bad luck. Uh, I mean, it was just one. I mean, I, that's bad luck. That that right there is just pure crap luck. And yeah. it set, set the stage for what happened at the end. There is much more to talk about. We will look at some of the things that were not at the end. Let's look at. Some of the positives that Auburn did portray for 60 minutes, uh, especially offensively, especially uh, holding Alabama in some other critical moments. Uh, And we'll look at just the plan in general, maybe some other missed opportunities early, and uh, just other things about playing of the 88th Iron Bowl. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday. About halfway through this Monday edition of the show. Want to go ahead and tell you about our schedule for the week. We mentioned last week high school basketball getting underway. Of course, Tiger 95 can excuse me, Tiger 95.9 continues to be the proud home for Borgard High School Athletics, as well as FM Talk 93.9, the proud home of Smith Station Panther Athletics. And so with high school basketball starting. And it usually starts around 5 o'clock or so each day. We will have some shortened shows, really for the foreseeable future, between basketball and baseball for Borgard. So with that in mind, tomorrow and Thursday of this week will be a shortened show. We'll be getting off air between about 4.30 and 4.45, kind of rough estimate, just a few minutes before the broadcast time there. So about this time tomorrow is when we will be wrapping up. So just want to throw that out there to everybody. Tuesday and Thursday of this week, we'll have roughly about a half of a sports call show. Uh, and, again, that will happen periodically throughout December all the way through the months of the April with high school basketball and baseball and softball. All right, so we continue on with the show here. We continue on talking about the Iron Bowl. Very even game if you just want to look at the very most macro level of points it was 7 to 7 after 1 17 14 after 2 it was 21 uh yeah 21 to 20 after 3 and then 27 24 was the final we talked on friday so many different things one of the things that auburn failed in ironically on the very last play was eliminating big plays alabama did that before the first half they did it before the end of the second half one of the things we did talk about was important, though, was that Auburn not let Alabama string up scores and go on a run. And to Auburn's credit, they did that. It was a very inauspicious start. Auburn took the ball. They went three and out. Alabama took the ball. Uh, they scored. <laughs> then Auburn <laughs> went three and out again. And it had that whoops feeling. I will admit, you know, as someone that took Alabama to cover, uh, after the first couple possessions, I was not. I was saying, "Yeah, this is not looking good, Brant. I don't like it." Uh, then Auburn responded, and once they figured out that, okay, yeah, not going to be passing, but we actually <laughs> can run the ball, and we can run it in a multitude of ways. They kind of never stopped doing that. They really could. I, I was shocked at how well Auburn's offensive line executed in this game. The game plan coming in was very clearly here are these three or four concepts that we haven't run all year, and we're going to throw them at Alabama, which is not a game plan that I'm in love with. I think that if you're, I mean, neutering half your playbook for 11 of your 12 games, then yeah. But, I mean, I I can't be frustrated with how how well the game plan worked in this game. I mean, the, the first quarter, they ran a lot of outside zone stuff. In the second quarter, they ran 
uh, GT counter, GH counter, GY counter, um, which is, I mean, it's a counter where you're either pulling your guard and your tight end, your guard and your tackle, or your guard and your H back. Um, something that I've been looking for Auburn to run all year. Uh, they ran they ran just a regular split zone, which is an inside zone where you pull the tight end and kick out either the play side or the backside defensive end, depending on alignment. You can do either. But they, they ran split zone a lot in this game, which they haven't run a lot. They've run play action off of that split zone look to the tight end a lot. But they absolutely... <laughs> I see what you laughed yeah. at. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the, uh, they, they ran that look a couple of times. There were... Four, there were at least three separate concepts that Auburn had not run all year that they pulled out in this game kind of quarter by quarter, and each of them worked really well to the tune of, uh, like Steve was talking about earlier, 240-something yards on the ground. Um, it was a great day for Auburn running the ball, and not just Jarquez Hunter either. I mean, everybody that got a carry just ate in this game. It was It was a really great job by Auburn's offensive line of, I mean, getting movement against Alabama, which I did not think would be possible. I I said uh, before, I said on Friday when we were previewing this game, the offensive line is a unit that's going to have to play above its head. Um, uh, better than it has played all year, better than anybody expects it to. That's a matchup that, you, that right now I was just expecting Auburn to lose. They were going to have to win if Auburn was to have a chance in this game. And by God, they won. Auburn's offensive line beat up Alabama's defensive front in this game. And they did it with some misdirection, but they also did it with some power stuff. It was really, really impressive from Auburn's offensive line. And, you know, I was looking at it too. I mentioned this to you before we went down the field. Uh, and it got a little skewed because of the last sack. Thorn took was like a 14-yard loss, something like that. Uh, but just for the sake of this argument... He got sacked four times and lost 28 yards on that. So that means the 11 design runs. I can't recall him scrambling. He may have scrambled like once. I'll say maybe he, he did it once. But on the 11 design runs, he gained 85 yards, which yeah. means between Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, and Peyton Thorne, they all averaged on their design runs more than six yards a carry. That's balling. All three of them. That is balling. No. So they ran the ball as well as you can ever expect to run the ball on a good football team like Alabama. And again, they ran it with Hunter, Austin, and Thorne. And again, I was really impressed with what Thorne did with his legs. Obviously, the passing part of it hmm, yeah. was was rough again. Right. Uh, now, they, I will say, scheme-wise, I thought they knew what they were doing again there, too, because the, the few times they did complete passes, someone was just wide open. It, it would it, Any SEC quarterback would have hit that. Uh, they even had one that... It, any SEC quarterback and receiver combination should have probably caught, and they did not around midfield there with the, the fair weather play. It was a little underthrown, still need to be caught. Yeah, uh, And so that was a chunk play they missed. So the passing game was not there, but oddly enough, it just it, it really never mattered. Now, I know Auburn got stopped their very last possession. They never got another opportunity beyond, what was it, the six or seven mark of the fourth quarter. I think they had a, a sequence. I think they got one first down, but then they threw, had another sack, uh, and, and ended that drive. But the run really just never got stopped. That If you were of the opinion that just just any part of the field, Auburn's going to be able to churn out a couple first downs on the ground, again, you would not be – uh, far-fetched to think that at all because, again, at no point did Alabama ever confidently stop the run game. Again, as I said, no matter what Auburn did design run-wise, it averaged at least six and a half yards a carry. Uh, so that was very impressive. 
I, I don't mean to bring up more bad skeletons. It does give more like what the hell to the New Mexico State game. It, it kind of sh- just wow. shows you how far ahead you looked um, and, and how clear it was. But again, taking away the miserable heartbreak of, of what occurred at the end, there was good things here. There was things that did validate the three SEC games, albeit, again, I get it. Those three SEC teams were trash. I, I wholeheartedly get it. Uh, but there were some things that they clearly did improve on at the end of the year, uh, and it's why people are trying to – it's going to be tough because there's a lot of pain involved, but trying to hope for a better tomorrow uh, because <laughs> of the successful things you did do. Yeah. But, again, overall, they – as they should at home, I'll say that, as they should, they were in position to win a football game even against a really good Alabama team. They had two really horrible plays that everyone would love to have back that are just unplanned for plays. Yep. Um, but, but they, again, they moved on incredibly well. They did not even think about New Mexico State. They, and every form and fashion had a shot at winning this game and they still did some things poorly defensively as far as actually getting Milro to the ground I think they only sacked him once uh, and they made him run around a little bit they got but, by there on some pressure right but you never know could get to him they even I'll tell you this no one's talking about this play and, and granted with what fourth and goal happened they might have would have gotten anyway it before that it was third and 20. Yeah, and the, and Milrow ran for nineteen. They then had a, a gutsy toss play. Roy Dell Williams got a couple first down to set up the, then the first goal sequence that led to a bad snap. But you know th- they were not getting Milrow down at all. They they did not generate the pressure and the actual plays that they needed to, and yet they still held Alabama down into the twenties. That mm-hmm. tells you in the red area. How good of a job they did! Absolutely. When you talk about DJ James earlier, Brand, mm-hmm. how well he played. He played well. Those guys down in the tighter areas made a lot of great plays on the ball and got to the got there just the right time. So again, there was so much good, and it had to be. I mean, it's Alabama. There had to be a lot of good, but in fact, there was after infinitely bad things the week before. Right. And I, I again, I, I get it gets you nothing. Really, at the end of the day, but except the at least we tried and uh, look to next year. But again, I still, as I think everyone can be, can be proud of the effort, the plan, uh, and, and and for fifty nine minutes, the execution of that plan uh, because they had every opportunity to win an Iron Bowl. That again, nobody gave them you a chance. were under thirteen points in. We were all we have some optimistic people in this building. Right. We do, and no one picked Auburn. Uh, and, and so, well, I guess I wasn't here for the official predictions. Well, but. yeah, would you pick? Would you still pick? Would you have picked Auburn for yes. any reason other than uh, I did it to start the year? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. because uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, because even after now, my my confidence level had definitely dropped after that complete just debacle against New Mexico State my confidence level definitely dropped but I was still of the impression that exactly what happened was going to happen that that stadium was going to be just stupid out of its mind the team was going to play up to the level of what that crowd was giving them in in that atmosphere 
and crazy things happen in the Iron Bowl in Jordan Hare Stadium. Even the Alabama fans talk about it. They talk about the voodoo of Jordan Hare Stadium. That there's just weird stuff happens in that game. And I was still under the assumption that that's what was going to happen. And damn it, that's not exactly what went on. I did predict that Auburn was going to win. That I would have predicted on here officially that Auburn was going to win. I predicted it at the beginning of the season, and nothing had changed my mind for that. Yeah, confidence maybe a little bit lesser. I was still going to pick Auburn because I just thought, like I said, exactly what happened was going to happen minus the miracle throw into the end zone on fourth and 31. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, So, I'll amend it that we have a lot of optimistic voices in here. Sure. And most of the optimistic voices uh, were not only then picking against Auburn were, uh, and some like I did, I mean, picking Alabama to win it without having it come down to the the last sequence, which, you know, again, if if Auburn is a some semi-competent team, I, I can't believe I talked myself out of it being a close game, so it's still shame on me for that. Uh, because even 2015, which was had very little competent things about it, was down a possession with 10, 11 minutes to play. Sure. Um, Some really, really bad Auburn teams have played absolutely out of their mind in Jordan-Hare Stadium against Alabama. I mentioned it before. Brian Harson almost beat out. Brian yeah. Harson had Alabama beat. If Tank Bigsby That was just as much as a should-have as, as this one. Absolutely. It might no, not be as heartbreaking, but it was just right, well, as much because as it was have, not yeah. on such a just improbable play. Yeah. But, yeah, if Tank Bigsby does not step out of bounds, Auburn runs the clock out and that game's over. There were people literally at Toomer's corner rolling the daggum corner because that game was over. The announcers had said it was over. Everything was over. And it was like, oh, no, he stepped out of bounds. So, uh change of possessions and everything happens after that um but yeah brian harson almost beat alabama here you mentioned 2015 there have been some god awful auburn teams that have played alabama down to the daggum wire in jordan Hare stadium now they do normally turn around and just get their teeth kicked in in tuscaloosa yeah but in jordan Hare stadium those boys play their butts off against Alabama, and that's why I thought that was going to happen again this year, and I was correct. I just, unfortunately, I thought all Auburn was be able to pull that win out this time. We're going to take one darn final. It. Yeah, <laughs> uh, darn it indeed. One final time out here uh, in this 4 o'clock hour. Back to wrap up hour number two right after this. Again, still ahead. More on the Iron Bowl. Our best and worst of the weekend will come up in the 5 o'clock hour. And more of your phone calls if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 888 9 Sports call returns after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. A little bit later either today, depending on the time, uh, or later in the week, we'll start to talk the future. And big words like that, we'll talk about bowl future first, talk about uh, recruiting and, and all that sort of stuff. There are things to be looking forward to. Uh, it's just tough on the first show, first uh, second full day after the, uh, the the big game to be thinking too much about big picture stuff, but I think there are some positive big picture things ahead. It still contain this game again. Something I st- something still you can take positive out of this game. Again, Alabama still did not have incredible rush success outside of Jalen Miller. Now Miller ran for one hundred seven. He was running around, running all over the place. Uh, but your two main backs there. Uh, and, and you can throw in Jam Miller. Uh, that changes my math. But 25 carries for McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, and Jam Miller uh, for a total of 103 yards. So that's right at four carry, a little under. That's fine, honestly, in the college game. In the NFL, that would be a, a little more desirable. Uh, but in the college game, these top backs usually at five, six yards a carry. I mean, we were criticizing Jarquez. Uh, and the Auburn rushing attack for being in the low fours earlier this year uh, before he broke out of it. So uh, really held up fine there. Alabama did try to run a couple times in that last sequence. Uh, they did get the toss play, but they didn't want to run the middle there. And, and even the next run they had after the Roydell Williams play, um, they then lost a yard. So you understood why they were not going uh, in the middle too much. Uh, so Auburn's defensive front, did a good job in that and again it just it kind of felt like it flipped and i don't know admittedly the full numbers for the year in front of me but the feeling of that defensive front this year to me it changed the narrative on the rush defense you know 2022 was a really really poor rush defense but it got home it it, it made some sacks it it got in the backfield um, and pressure the quarterback this year felt like a rush defense that, or a, a defensive front that did meet the moment more times than not rush defense. However, did not just never got a lot of traction in the backfield in terms of sacking the quarterback. Yeah. And that's one of the things that still haunted them a little bit here because, again, I'll tell you other versions of Auburn, other year versions of Auburn when they are an adept pass rushing team. Third and 20 is not picked up with 19 yards by a run by a quarterback. Now, Grant Miller is as athletic as they've ever had, but they've had other athletic guys. Certainly Blake Sims uh, was there uh, and, and plenty of guys, even Bryce Young, that could absolutely scramble or Tua at some times. But still, reality was never actually got guys on the ground back there. Uh, and, and that will haunt them a little bit too, uh, just from the standpoint of the play before the fourth and long. Uh, because even too, I was I was thinking to myself, I, I, I want to double check the timing of it, but that third and twenty, I almost branded. I never told you this. I almost turned to you because they immediately got nineteen yards. <laughs> but if it had been fourth and long, fourth and twenty, I thought there were still two and a half or three minutes left at that time. I was going to ask you if they were going to kick it and just try and get a quick stop and get it back. Now, maybe that maybe they wouldn't have, and obviously knowing what we know now, they would have said, oh, yeah, we can get 4th and 20. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. But at that time, if it had been 4th and 20, I would have thought that there would have been an inkling to kick. Now, again, you missed the field goal earlier with usually an incredibly reliable Will Reichert. He's the best kicker I've seen them have since Tiffin. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm, I'm serious. Uh, but 
you know, I, I don't know what that decision would have been. We'll never know. I just don't know if he would have loved to give them the ball back. But uh, another part of the what-if equation, something that might have been worth thinking about. But, again, if you have better pressure on the quarterback, you get him down on the ground there, you have a whole different circumstance with your fourth and long. Well, we were talking about on that third and 20, or on the fourth and 31, we were talking about how the QB spy was a waste of space. Auburn had a QB spy on that third and 20. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Eugene Asante – it just took a bad angle. I mean, I just thought, hey, I'm fast enough to make this tackle running at this angle, and boy, he just was not. Uh, it, it was poor execution by the defense at that point. If Auburn had gotten him down and forced an incompletion, he get him after a gain of five, whatever, it's fourth and 15, and you either need or you kick field goal. I think at that point I would have kicked the field goal with the amount of timeouts that Alabama had and, and the fact that your defense – I've said before that the only advantage that an offense has over the defense is that the offense knows what play is coming. If the defense knows what play is coming, they're going to stop it 99 times out of 100. You can't really out-execute the other team having the knowledge. I think that uh, if if they had kicked the field goal, I don't know. Would they have been able to stop Auburn? I would have certainly liked to have seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but... Yeah, that was a very interesting thing. And the fact that you're right, Auburn's been a lot better against the run this year, but the pass rush just not just not has been excuse me, just has not been there for most of the season. Jalen McLeod had a stretch of two or three weeks where he was kind of feasting on dead and dying offenses. But against good teams this year, Auburn's pass rush has been non existent. Um and that's not a shot at Jalen McLeod or uh, Elijah McAllister or any of those guys, they do certain things very well, but certain things that they don't do well is rush the passer, uh, even in obvious passing downs. So I, I think that, you know, we, you look at the way the roster is constructed. Elijah McAllister is gone, but Jalen McLeod will be back. You're also getting, um, goodness, I had him pulled up a minute ago. Jamonte Waller is one, yes. and Joe Phillips is yeah. the other one coming in. Both of those guys coming in to play that edge spot. I think that those two guys could both start playing very early for Auburn. I think that they, even if it's just in uh, rabbit package downs where you're like, hey, we know that these guys are going to throw, let's get our best pass rushers in there. I think you're going to see those two guys come in there and just, if nothing else, get off the ball as fast as you can and see if you can't speed rush and put some pressure on somebody. And I think if Auburn has that in this game, I, I certainly think that Alabama does not have nearly as productive a day, and they probably win. Yeah, again, I, I, I keep beating a dead horse, but I just feel that – because Auburn, Auburn got this part of it. Auburn usually gets two things in the Iron Bowl when they win. They usually get mayhem on the quarterback, and they get a mayhem play. Yeah, And the mayhem play here was the bad snap. Uh, and, well, and then there was a mayhem play for Alabama, and it led to them winning. But The, ju- the Jujus canceled each other right, out, and right. somehow Alabama won the game. Um, but – the thought is, too, with the way Auburn's momentum had started to swing the game, that's the point in time where you think of a 2017, the way they did against Georgia and Alabama in that run. Early fourth quarter is a time where Auburn doesn't get the sack. They get the strip sack yeah. and then sets them up for the possession that, that kind of gives them enough cushion. And, and also a play forgotten in this, I think Steve did bring it up. It maybe wasn't as simple as how he brought it up, but – the Javarius Johnson play, which I've turned to you again in the press box, that that was a big moment, was when it was uh, 21-20 Auburn. 
early fourth, and it was a contested catch. But when we saw the replay, yeah. it was not yeah. really ever broken up. It did go off the hands mm-hmm. in the back edge of the end zone. Maybe he's trying to focus on keeping his feet in bounds, that sort of thing. But that's a play, too, that you lament when you have the final score you did because you catch it, you kick the PAT, it's 28-20, mm-hmm. and then you can't lose in regulation with what happened. You would have faced a two-point conversion after that craziness, and you still would have had a chance to win, or you still would have gone to overtime. So again, but again, we can we can play a number of plays in our head uh, of situations. The reality is, uh, it did it did not come to fruition for Auburn, and again, it's a it's a painful one. We are out of time for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, we will talk more pain. <laughs> uh, it's we, not getting any better. Buckle uh, up. Yeah. Uh. Where does this rank in terms of uh, hardest? Uh, or, or, or most disappointing Iron Bowls for Auburn's point of view? And where does it rank in your most disappointing Auburn sports spectrum views? Hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll rank that when we come back. We'll also turn the page a little bit, uh, and we'll have best and worst of the weekend coming up uh, in the final hour, too, along with Brant and Tom. Ryan here. One more hour of Sports Call Ahead. Stay tuned. More after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. I want to remind you as we get going here in hour number three, we will have a shorter show tomorrow and Thursday. Be getting off the air around 4.30 or 4.40 because of Borgard High School basketball. So full shows today, Wednesday, and Friday. Shortened shows on Tuesday, Thursday. And I know that's usually how class schedules worked uh, at the universities. You'd have Monday, Wednesday, Friday stuff, and then you'd have Tuesday, Thursday stuff. So a little uh, bonus bonus info for you there. Anyway, let's uh, continue on with the pain. Uh, <laughs> hour number three, getting going. And... Uh, Tom, I know you're looking up right now. Let's go through where this ranks for us. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, The knife's already in. Uh, Let's twist and pull out. I know you're not supposed to twist and then pull out. You're supposed to just pull out. But let's twist it first, then pull it out. Be done with it. Where does this rank for you? And uh, Either most disappointing, uh, most heartbroken in terms of not only Iron Bulls, but then also Auburn losses for you. Uh. I, I mean, uh, Iron Bowl losses, I, I mean, really, I mean, uh, losses in general, I mean, this feels like the, uh, I mean, it feels like the one. I can think of the Georgia game where uh, David Green hit uh, 
Uh, David Green. Oh, David Green threw a touchdown pass. It was early two thousands uh, to uh, a wide receiver in the back of the end zone, right at the right in front of the student section. Kind of a jump ball uh, to win that game, and I remember that one just like ripping the hearts because that was a game that Auburn thought that they had won, and uh, Georgia just ripped Auburn's hearts out. But uh, there's just a, there's a different feel between the Georgia Auburn game and the Iron Bowl. It just feels different. Uh, there's been some heartbreaking ones, and I mean, but really, to think of one that Auburn lost in a very heartbreaking fashion, I mean, you'd have to go back to 1985 when Van uh, Van Tiffen kicked the uh, 52 52-yard field goal with zero on the clock. Uh, I was not an I was not following Auburn at the time, but I know that's like I. the historic. <laughs> Loss. Uh, I mean, anytime you kick a 52-yard field goal to, with zero on the clock to beat your rival, that one's bad. Now, two years ago was bad when you think about, you know, the what-ifs. Like I've mentioned, if Tank Bigsby just doesn't step out of bounds, you run the clock out. But, you know, that one was one of those that you kind of felt that was coming. Uh, once that got to overtime, you're like <laughs> – this is, no, yeah, once it got to overtime, I was like, yeah, once it got to overtime, you're like, this is inevitable. I can't believe they even scored, to be honest with you. I couldn't believe they scored. Yeah. It was uh, it was Landon King who was, yeah. like, falling down and just, like, snatched it with one hand, yeah. right? That was right. the that yeah. was the touchdown Auburn scored? Yeah. yeah. No, it was definitely the, the shock of that was it getting to overtime. Once it got to overtime, right. it was. Now, I will, I will say this. Uh, most frustrating loss that I can remember would be that 2014 Iron Bowl. Number one, Alabama against number 15, Auburn, 55 to 44. Auburn Auburn had like 500 and something total yards of offense with Nick Marshall. It was like Alabama just could not stop Auburn's offense in 2014. But damn, if Auburn could not stop Alabama either. I I I mean, whenever you get 500 and something yards of total offense and you still lose – Gum, that yeah. that's frustrating. I was right going to bring up the 2014 Iron Bowl as well because that one was just incredibly frustrating. And that season was incredibly frustrating because I remember in game, I think it was game nine, they played a bad Texas A&M team at but home fumble. and should have won, but, fu- but for fumbling on the goal line twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty rough. And then you go to, to Athens and just get skunked by Georgia. And then you play the the paycheck game, and and then you go to Alabama, and I think Sammy Coates and I believe it was Amari Cooper combined for roughly ten thousand yards in that game. Uh, <laughs> just, just both of them, I, I'm pretty sure both of them had over two hundred and fifty receiving yards in that game. Uh, just incredible performance from both of those guys, and yeah, the 2014 Iron Bowl is definitely one where I'm going, yeah, it should maybe probably should have had that one. I believe that was. Uh, that was was that who was the defensive coordinator for the first two years? Ellis Johnson. Ellis Johnson. Yep. And and after that, you hired Will Muschamp, I think. Yes. Who was a good defensive coordinator? Yes. Um, had some bad. I remember in 2015 when Carl Lawson was healthy, Auburn had a really good defense. He mm-hmm. just was healthy for like five of those 12 games, and Auburn had a really bad defense the rest of the time. Anyway, 2014 Iron Bowl definitely up there for me. Um, I remember the first the first Iron Bowl that the first Iron Bowl loss in my living memory. I was born in 1998, so I didn't remember anything before 2004, really. So the first time I remember losing to Alabama was 2008 when I was already 10 years old, yeah. and I had just never experienced Auburn losing to Alabama before in 2008, and that was a bad Auburn team and a pretty good Alabama team. Yeah. 
and Auburn just got railroaded by Alabama, who I was just used to Auburn beating. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what. For me, the 9 one hurt way more than 14. Now, yeah. 14 might have been frustrating. was awful. But 9 you had the promise of a new coach. For whatever reason, it feels like new coaches their first year give Alabama all they can handle. They don't always win. But, uh, I mean, from Chiswick to – Obviously, Malzahn to even Harston to now Freeze. It's four in a row. I can't remember what, what Tuberville's first was. Um, but, you know, 09, you had the, the Zachary reverse, and you were pulling out the tricks. Malzahn was the coordinator, after all, and uh, you, you get a lead late, and then Alabama just methodically down the field, down the field, down the field, down the field, touchdown, boom, over. Um, that that one was was pretty high up there. Uh, and again, so I, you know, I'm same timeline roughly as you, Brant. But 08, you just knew that was going to be a oh yeah whooping. 09 hurt, and and you know, 14 was I, again. It was it was weird because I wasn't that upset about it because on the surface you should have been. You're up two possessions. You also got down three possessions in the fourth quarter. Like Alabama had so much time and still kind of thoroughly cooked Auburn so much defensively. That it wasn't even a down to the wire game. Auburn scored like the last play to make it back down the two possessions. But Alabama had cooked Auburn so badly in the second half that by the time we got late fourth quarter, it was over. Uh, and and that's the infamous uh, Amari uh, Cooper's wide open and Lane Kiffin's hands he up before hands up he's before even he's... open. Yeah, uh, which was just how great Auburn's defense was, was playing there. <laughs> uh, but but I think that this one. This one has to take the cake for Iron Bowl losses, uh, and I think that it's still a healthy margin over twenty-one. And then I would put oh nine, and then I you know I, I can't quantify things that are not around right. my existence. So the eighties well, Tiffin uh, one's got to be it, it's it had been the most iconic for Bama. I don't yeah. know if if it will be considered that now because of this one. Well, there there's another iconic one seeing I because again I was just a little kid, but nineteen eighty four. Well, when they stopped, but yeah, or what was it? The uh, wrong the game way, they Bo. beat Bo. Wrong way. Eighty four was wrong way, Bo. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, no, eighty five was the Tiffin field goal. Yeah, but I'm saying the other iconic one. You, were, I was agreeing with you. I was saying the one that they stopped, Bo. Uh, well, it wasn't Bo. It was. Uh, it wasn't Bo that they stopped. Anyway, uh, trolling seventeen to fifteen late in the game, Auburn was fourth and goal from the one yard line, and they went for it. Both. Tri- yeah, the fell down. Yeah, they called a pitch yeah. play to Brent yeah. Fullwood. Uh, Bo Jackson was supposed to lead block for Fullwood, but Bo ran the wrong direction. So yeah. Alabama's defense came up and stuffed him uh, out of bounds at the goal line to win that game on fourth and one. And then the very next year, eighty-five, Tiffin kicks the fifty-two yard field goal as time expires. So Auburn got their hearts ripped out out of their chest in eighty-four and eighty-five. Yeah. Uh, after that, it was kind of like. Uh, if there was a hearts getting ripped out, it was Alabama getting their hearts ripped out. Ninety seven uh, was the Ed System fumble on a screen pass when they were running the clock out. Jarrett Holmes kicks a game winning field goal. Uh, Two thousand and ten, Alabama blows a huge lead to Cam Newton and those guys. Twenty thirteen, that one. Twenty thirteen, we know what happened in twenty thirteen. Um, uh, but as far as Auburn getting their hearts ripped out. In a uh, in an Iron Bowl, twenty twenty three is going to take the cake. I mean, they literally completed a pass that Auburn had a ninety nine percent chance of winning that game 
at fourth and 31. Yeah. And did not yep. finish off that 1% that they needed to win. I don't know that it gets much more heartbreaking than that. I get it. Go for it on fourth and one, and they stuff you. I, you know, eh, I got it. Uh, you know, some of those others that we mentioned, but uh, you know, the the other one that you talked about, where Alabama went down the field as oh nine. Yeah. Again, one of those you felt it was just inevitable. I mean, it, it was you watched that develop in front of you, and you're like, this is going to happen. And there's not a damn thing I can do to stop it. And apparently there wasn't a damn thing Auburn could do to stop it. And it was like, this is going to happen. The one that went to four overtimes, like once it gets to overtime, you're like, I, this, it's going to happen. It's, this is inevitable. This was one of those that you're like, here we go. We're about to win the game. No, we're not. Yeah, it was by far the most roller coaster-ish loss in an Iron Bowl that I can remember. Um the 2009 one's interesting because I'm thinking back on 09. I was in Auburn, but I was not in the stadium. I, I watched that game at our tailgating spot, and I can't quite remember why I did that. And so that, that's where I've been the past five minutes trying to remember why in the world would I not why why was I not in the stadium for that game? I I, I can't help you with that. No, so I, I, I know, yeah. I, and no no one listening yeah. <laughs> can probably either. But uh, all right, so where's it ranked for you? Auburn losses period. Oh, in all sports, uh, I mean, it's up there. I, I, watching Auburn lose championships is definitely going to be over watching Auburn lose Iron Bowls to me. So uh, the 2019 no-call double dribble, there Oof. was the loss to Florida in the Women's College World Series a couple of years ago in softball. Uh, the baseball team, I can't remember who they were playing against, but there was a, a high throw to first base where if you complete the throw – uh, it's the third out of it's the final out of the game, and you're going to the the College World Series for a chance for the national title. Slung it and, over his head. Yeah, slung it over his head. They come back. They went. They lose the game. Um, and obviously, 2013 BCS national championship against Florida State. I have held a grudge against Florida State for a very long time for that game. Uh, I feel like I'm over it now, but. Uh, I, that those those. I don't know. You're in for Florida State in the ACC title game. I I am. I am mostly to keep <laughs> Alabama out. But uh, <laughs> fair. The, or the loser of the SEC championship game, whoever that may be. Uh, but I I think that I don't know. I think those couple of national title chances being taken away from Auburn those hurt more than uh, losing the Iron Bowl. But obviously losing the Iron Bowl is a big deal. And and I would put this at the top of non-championship losses for Auburn yeah I I don't um to be honest you know still love multitude of sports but I have a hard time even in because I was thinking for the softball one for me would have been the Oklahoma but the Carasoni roll through or less yeah yeah that yeah but absolutely but even that I mean I have trouble putting above a a heartbreaking football loss like this and that's fair that's fair. Um, the, but I do think the 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 2013 title game one and the final four two because I, I'll tell you what and <laughs> this is to show you that different sports different measures of success Auburn's a good basketball program right now Bruce Pearl's doing a really good job there is no promise that Auburn <clears throat> will ever go back to the final four no. they might play a hundred more years and not go back to the final four. Uh, that is the reality of college basketball because you could be a top four team all year long. Ask Alabama last year, didn't go to the Final Four. And so you are not guaranteed that at all with the magnitude of mayhem, of madness. Now, 
you you're if you sustain being a good program time in time out you're gonna give yourself so many chances you got a great shot at it but in the history of auburn basketball to have been that long in this entire state that much right. basketball and that's still the only time anyone from the state's gone to the final four the finality of that is so tough because you don't know Auburn's gonna get to play Alabama again in football. They're gonna beat Alabama again. Right. It might take a few years, might take one, two years. I don't know, but they'll beat them again. Right. But I can't promise you Auburn's gonna go back to the Final Four in basketball. Not not in anyone's lifetime. It may be maybe they go four times. Right. Maybe they don't go. And, and so what what I will say is like I, I when it comes to all time losses that I've suffered through with Auburn, that that Final Four is def, that is my top. Yeah. Um, and it's because of that run that Auburn was on and the teams that they beat to get to where they were at, and they were just on such an incredible run, and you have a no-call on the double dribble, and it was bad. But then, you know, the the foul on the three-pointer, and the, you know, you just have to sit there and just watch that guy shoot free throws and sink every one of them. Just and nail each one. And it just, I mean, for each one that went in, your heart just dropped further and further and further. And... You know that, and because, and again, like you said, Auburn was in an, a a realm of a sport that they've never been in. Like you said, may never get there again. And you really thought they had a really good chance of that. I put that at one. Uh, the 2013 uh, FSU game, right there with that, because it was for the national championship. But again, it was one of those as you felt that one slipping away. You kept hoping that Auburn was going to make that defensive play, but it's one of those that just it felt like it was slipping away from you, and it felt like it kept slipping away. And it so that's where that got frustrating because it, it was. I don't want to say that one felt like it was inevitable that they were going to come down and score a touchdown, but you really felt that one getting away from you. And, and so once it happened, I mean, yeah, it broke your heart, but it was like. You know, we saw it coming. I mean, it was right yeah. there. That that one against Virginia was not one of those where it's like, you know, Auburn had a meltdown, and all of a sudden it's like we see this happening, and it's about to happen, and we, there's nothing you can do. It's like the dude bounces it off his foot, picks it up, starts dribbling. Like that's ball game. Yeah, and it then it should have been, and then it's taken away from you. And then of course, what happens in the end happens. But so the so the the final four loss is absolutely my number one. The FSU is is a number two, and I would have to put this twenty twenty three Iron Bowl right as as my third. That O two Georgia game was bad. I you know you guys don't really remember that one that well, but um, that was a uh, David Green. Uh, oddly enough, uh, what was that? It was uh, fourth and fifteen, a minute twenty five, fourth and fifteen from the Auburn nineteen. And he just kind of threw up a prayer into the end zone, and Michael Johnson caught it. And that was then. That was number seven Georgia versus number twenty-two Auburn. So again, another fourth down play, fourth and fifteen, and he hits Johnson in the back of the end zone, right in front of the student section too. Because I remember being there, uh, watching that one in the student section, and just like surrender cobras. Everybody, <laughs> everybody was full on surrender cobra with their mouths agape. That that just happened. So that one really, really is memorable for me of, of just getting your heart ripped out. So I'd have to put that O two Georgia game right there behind what happened here with the the Iron Bowl this year. Uh, you guys did mention too earlier. Uh, I don't know if it 
make my top five. It's definitely not top three, but just because of I'm dealing with a smaller sample size of painful activity. Uh, that Auburn A and M game in fourteen. Oh yeah, because that they were still. I mean, as a one loss team on the heels of thirteen, yeah. and they're in the national playoff conversation. Absolutely, and to see how much it destroyed the season after that, yeah. and to know you fumbled not once but twice, you still would. After all the whole game, you were looking like you're going to lose. It looked like if you were probably a And M fan, Auburn's inevitably going to do this to us. Here they are at the goal line well, because they had been yeah. doing it. Yeah. You're coming off the two miracles in June here, yeah. and you had had a couple of close calls, and it was like it felt like here we go again. Auburn is about to pull another. They're yeah. about to pull one out of their hat again. Inexplicably, Auburn's going to pull one out of their hat, and you just knew it was going to happen. Until was it Reese Dismukes? I think may have been yeah. the center snapped it yeah, into that his was own the hand. second yeah. fumble. The first fumble that was at the three or four yard line, yeah. and Artis Payne was tried to fall on yeah. it, and uh, he yeah. looked like he did fall on it, but they ruled that was not clear possession anyway yeah. um the in we know from having jeff and and trevon and deshaun on on the and, and, and all those guys um that that killed that team it, it every it right. looked like it did we all kind of thought it did it absolutely killed that team that team was mentally shot uh after that one so uh, there's a lot of tough ones. 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. I tell you, it's been a football weekend. Uh, if you uh, saw the Eagles yesterday and if you saw the Iron Bowl, those games had these similarities at times because the announcing said to that, that pass that uh, Jalen just threw the sun, so it looks identical, uh, a mirror image to what, what he saw in the Iron Bowl the uh, day before. Yeah. I tell you, this is I, this past Iron Bowl has to go as one of the greatest Iron Bowls of all time. I've seen Bo Jackson go to the top and kill Bear Bryant. No pun intended. I don't want nobody to get upset. I've seen uh, Paul Carruth bull his way in 1984 and gave Alabama hope. I've seen 85 when when um, Tiffin kicked the field goal and sent Alabama bowling. I've seen uh, 86 with Lawyer Tillman ran in reverse and scored and Pat died jumping around, hollering and crying. I mean, I've seen them all. We've seen the pick six uh, in Jordan Hare. We've seen Cam Newton up there in Tuscaloosa when they brought him back. But I tell you, uh, this game had more twists and turns and a cliffhanger than any movie I've seen in a long time. I tell you, y'all had the game won. I mean, clear. I, I, told, I was watching the game with family and friends being Thanksgiving. I said, look, at six minutes left in the game. I said, the game over with. Alabama's not going to uh, do anything. Miro is not going to be able to lead them down the field and score no victory or nothing. I said, it's over with. Just quit watching the thing. And then, you know, we had a play. Like I told you, there's always four or five plays. You never know when they might show up. And I, I tell you, when that guy uh, messed around and messed that punt up, I was like, oh, my, there's a Christmas gift right now. I couldn't believe that. But then when it got fourth and 31, I was like, well, I, it's over with. There ain't no way he's probably going to, you know, with that little time left. But he threw it, got caught it, and it was a clean touchdown. I mean, what can you say? Yeah, well, and then I know that we talked a lot last week about it, Anthony, and you you said that, hey, it's the Iron Bowl. Something weird's going to happen. It's going to be close. Uh, now, that still was one of the cake takers uh, for sure because, yeah. I mean, that was crazy beyond uh, yeah. normal crazy. But, uh, I mean, this that's why this is the greatest rivalry in college football. You know, that's why people from other parts of the country that don't know anything about the rivalry like to sit there and watch it if it's on TV. It's just that entertaining versus any other game you can think of. Nobody plays with that much passion 
like these two teams do. I mean, they just was at it from the beginning, middle, and end. And, and I mean, you know, it's, it's just, I tell you, it is something to see. And probably been a whole lot better if you could have been there live, you know, versus watching it on TV or whatnot. But I tell you, uh, if Auburn would have played like that all year, their season could have been different. Could have been probably ten and two or nine and three team. Um, who knows? Could have been undefeated if they could have played like that every game, uh, beginning of the year to all the way through. So look back to at the end, start dialing in for next year. So we'll see what uh, Coach Freeze can do as far as what he can get out of high school, what he may get out of JUCO, and what may show up in the portal between now and, and then. And, and will he be able to uh, strength conditioning program in spring? What he can get out of these guys, we'll see. I mean, because there's a lot of people on the move right now. They, I mean, Mississippi State got a quarterback just transferred out. Nobody and right now knows exactly where he may end up at. But if I was Auburn, I sure would be in his ear, have some kind of representative with somebody. Because I'm sure this guy for his last year won't be with somebody where he can, can make some headlines and go bowling and get in a position to do something special. So who knows? We'll see what he uh, ends up at. But, guys, that's all I got for you today. I'll talk to you all later. Absolutely, Anthony. Appreciate that phone right, call. thanks. That is Anthony Collin from Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. And, uh, yeah, he hit on it there at the end. There's As we go through this week, we go through the coming month or two or three, uh, there's going to be a lot of portal talk again. There was certainly last yeah. year. Hugh Freeze was very busy there. Ended up with a, uh, what, double di- well into double digits uh, and I would expect that it would be something in Auburn. We'll have guys departing. We saw reports today of Mari Kelly yeah. uh, in the portal. That That's going to happen, too. He said as much, too, uh, in the press conference today. Uh, said, again, there's going to be some guys leaving. That's everywhere. And that means everybody is going to have a opportunity to improve that way, too. Uh, but, yeah, no, there's already some SEC quarterbacks. I think K.J. Jefferson uh, is – if not officially in the portal, is rumored to be going in the portal. Right. Uh, and obviously Will Rogers already is. Uh, Riley Leonard of Duke expected to hit the portal, or at least yeah. a good chance there's going to be. So, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of that stuff. So one of the one of the big things that, uh, you know, that you hope to see from Auburn, you're going to have some guys go into the portal. I would have to imagine that one, two, maybe quarterbacks may go to the portal. Um, are told that y'all need to go to the portal. I, you know, I'm not don't know that for a fact, but you have to think that's going to happen. There's going to be some guys leave. Now, what you're hoping is that you don't see a repeat from Brian Harson's first year, where there was this mass exodus of players, and you're not able to get enough back in to replace the mass exodus of players. You're also hoping you don't see a mass exodus of, of coaches. Now. Should there maybe be some coaching changes made? Maybe. Um, but, you know, everybody remembers after Brian Horst's first year, that was bru- That was a brutal, brutal offseason of roster turnover. I mean, there were so many guys leaving and then going to the media and talking about how terrible it was. And, uh, I mean, just painting Auburn in a terrible light. And you had coaches that were getting fired or leaving. And the, I just – if you can just have a very peaceful and more productive offseason, uh, obviously bowl preparation, you, you've got to think about that. But you'd rather see more of the portal stuff benefit Auburn than the mass exodus like we have seen in the past. Maybe get some big-time studs in here. Uh, that's what you hope for, but, I mean, that's you never know. It's like Christmas morning sometimes. You get a big box that's wrapped up that you think is the greatest gift ever, and you open up, and it's a – Bag of socks. 
I like do socks. You, I, do, you, do you know how how happy I would be to get a, a gift that's a bag of socks? <laughs> I'd take that in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, there's no telling, and there will be a lot of time to talk off season again. A lot of different portal guys uh, they'll be out there, and again, the conclusion of this recruiting class signing day is December 20th, early signing day. But again, now the main signing day. Uh, so in the coming weeks and months, there'll be a lot more on roster management. We're going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. Starting to head towards the end of this Monday edition of the program. Again, after a tough Iron Bowl loss, 27-24. We've been recapping it throughout the show. If you ever miss anything or want to hear something again, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Again, available wherever you may get your podcast. All right, uh, we do this each and every Monday. Again, I have a feeling what one of these is going to be for everyone, but time for best and worst. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Two weeks in a row, retired Ward AMC views the last part of that for uh, his kind of de facto worst of the weekend. We'll start worst. If anyone would like to offer up something else or give a new perspective on why it's worst, uh, please enlighten me. <laughs> Uh, sure. I'll go something. Uh, my water heater exploded on Friday, or not exploded. I had a pipe burst where the that runs the water from my heater to the rest of my house. That burst and uh, flooded my home while I was not there. Luckily, my brother and his girlfriend were uh, spending the night at my house at the time, and uh, where they were on the scene, and and my brother, in his infinite kindness, uh decided to cover for me on that front so that's nice that issue is fixed but that was a, a very harrowing couple of hours when i was in the buckies in Warner robbins georgia with a couple of my friends and i get a call from my brother and he says so hey your house is flooding <laughs> mm. it's like that's nice yeah that's you great. mean you spilled some water no, you, no i mean the no, house is spilled no i mean water. the house is flooding <laughs> dude it's, that was a that was a very fun night that for about 20 or 30 minutes was I guess harrowing is a yeah. good word, but yeah, that that that's was uh, out outside of the obvious. What happened in the Iron Bowl? That's going to be my worst of the weekend. It kind of mostly a worst, but also a little best there with the brother stepping in. Yeah, absolutely, the, and uh, and you know he stepped in, he fixed the problem. Big thanks to Brock. He's back in Birmingham now, but uh, shout out to Brock. Yeah, shout out to Brock. Tom Peavy, what you got? All right, uh, <clears throat> so my worst. Uh, it's going to be about the Iron Bowl, but it's not just the finish. So, uh, you know how they, you know, they, it always. It always sucks when the shoe is on the other foot. So for 
10 years, I have taken great pleasure in watching videos of fan reactions to the kick six and, you know, getting all gleeful over the Auburn reactions from all over everywhere, but then also the gleeful reactions of the Alabama fans crying and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm having to experience the complete opposite of that. And that's not fun. I've tried, I've not like, I'm not going to torture myself by actually watching a video of that, <laughs> but daggum it, it keeps popping up on my timeline, on either on Twitter or Facebook, and it's like right there. It's like, you know, compilation of fan reactions to the fourth and thirty-one. I'm like, oh no, 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 I don't. A compilation of how about new? Yeah, yeah. But again, I know how ma- how it made me feel in 2013 and watching all those reactions that they showed. You know, the the guy yelling Gina, 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 Gina. Yeah, no, not not this yeah. one. Yeah. Bubba, bubba, bubba. Like, gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, again, I tried to come up with a uh, different worst of the weekend, too. Um, just couldn't think of it. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> it, I, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's a tough one. Um, you're on the field ready to see an explosion of reaction. And, uh, you don't get there, and it just—it's uh, never not. I mean, it's just again, it, it, it is. A, you question yourself why you even love love sports at that point. <laughs> like I, in a way, I did this to myself. I I asked for you because you care enough about sports, and you care enough about enough teams. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's happened. We just told you it's happened at least three. Everyone prominent times in the world of Auburn. I was like, guys, Auburn's worst is not my personal worst. I watched someone then go in at the buzzer to beat North Carolina National Championship game. That shot plays in my head at wherever I go. Now, <laughs> fortunately, Carolina won it next year, so it doesn't hit quite the same. But you lose a title at the buzzer, and Auburn almost did in 2013. Yeah, it's going to stay. Uh, and uh, I could go through way too many others. So uh, that's just a part of it. Uh, maybe the worst is just that again. I I love these things so much, and I let them, well, you know, do some do some it, psychosis on me. Uh, why it, why do you love this so much? It it physically makes you ill. I I mean I'm telling you, after that game was over, I I mean I was just I I don't even want to say I was numb. I mean I I had no appetite. I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I was just in a stupor that yep that just happened i didn't talk to brant for half an hour i i mean yeah <laughs> luckily i was by you, myself you, you and i were just kind of sitting in each sitting with each other and occasionally like looking at each yeah. other going hmm yeah i i was by i was by myself you know obviously michelle is a big alabama fan um we would not watch that game together yeah that's bad idea so uh but yeah i mean it, it's just it was I didn't even. I just. I didn't know what to do with myself. I and I physically felt ill at that. Sure. And and then you just start running through the what ifs, like you know, you know, or the whys. You know, why did this? Or what, uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Terrible. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Best of the weekend. I have two bests. Awesome. W- one is Auburn related. One is not. <clears throat> uh, we'll start with the Auburn one. Auburn volleyball uh, is in the NCAA tournament. They are a number seven seed in the NCAA volleyball tournament. 
they have made the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years for the first time in program history. Uh, Brent Crouch has done incredible things with this volleyball program. They're a lot of fun to watch. I think I went to three different matches this year, uh, and one of them I called for Weagle. So an uh, absolutely incredible job uh, for Aub- Auburn Volleyball. Uh, just a, a great great experience from them. Another, My other best of the weekend, I'm going to go to my alma mater, the Perry High School football team, uh, my senior year in 2017, uh, we went 3-7, and seven, and that was the best year that I had playing high school football. This year, the Perry Panthers, uh, this past weekend, defeated the Stevenson Jaguars 34-20 to on the road and advanced to the Final Four of the GHSA playoffs for the first time in school history. So, uh, Perry, my alma mater, going to the Final Four for the first time in school history. Uh, it's a really cool moment. No. For for Perry football for sure. Tom, yeah. Oh, best. Yeah, yeah. My best is I woke up Sunday and realized that I had not died and gone to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up. Heart, heart I can't still say beating. the sun rose because it rained all day Sunday, uh, but uh, you did wake up. But I woke up and I was like, "Hey, it's okay." Yep, still living. Still living. It's like. It's a freaking game. Yeah. It's 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 18 and 19 year olds. Yep. Yeah, no. I I, I mean that was a bet, but no, I mean it, <laughs> I joke, but I mean it was the best, but um I I mean really, I mean my my best was uh, you know actually working this weekend even though it was stressful. Uh How how was the crowd Saturday? Oh my gosh. Hot and bothered. Oh yeah. my lord. Yeah, like it does, fat that is never gets that crowded, and nor should it. <laughs> nor, should it. <laughs> nor should it. But uh, it was just a very profitable two days for me, and I uh-huh. got Christmas shopping to do. So, oh yeah, and it is that time. It, it's stressful when it's busy, but by God, when you get to the end of the night and you're yeah. realizing what you did, it's like, mm, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my best of the weekend is a very simple one. It's uh, going to shock you. It's also Iron Bowl related. Uh, and, uh, Brand, I know you, you tweeted kind of along these lines this weekend. Uh, I never want to lose perspective of the ability to go to these things. Um, and I never want to not appreciate the ability to be on the field for moments like that. Now, again, the outcome was obviously not what we wanted. Uh, but to be able to be on the field – with a few minutes left in the most important rivalry, most important game, just how much it means, how many people care, and to be one of the – you're not in the stands, you're on the field. Um, I had the ability, you know, media gets to do that, and they get to walk around pregame if they want, but also um, five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter of all these games. And I remember the first time I did it, was in 2018 at the Chick-fil-A kickoff game when Auburn played Washington. Uh, and, of course, that's the game where Gus puts the leather helmet on his head and it's looking <laughs> all goofy and all that. And I just remember going on the field that day, hearing the crowd in what's supposed to be neutral. It obviously wasn't. It was like 80-20 Auburn. But just feeling how loud it was. I'd been a student the four years prior and always knew it was loud, was a part of the loud. But to then hear just from down within the loud – gave me a fresh perspective on it. So to hear that crowd as disappointing as it ended is still something I'm always going to remember. Like I will not ever forget being on the field for those moments 
And so my best is kind of mushy-gushy, I know, but it's just being uh, still thankful for that is a part of what I do uh, each and every year and uh, and not taking those things and opportunities for granted. We're going to take our final time out of the show. When we come back, we will wrap it up with a nightly TV guide. And some breaking recruiting news. And some breaking recruiting news that I will read and be informed on during this time out. You're listening to Monday's edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final three or four minutes of the show today, Tiger 95.9. This is the Monday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV, Brent Daughtry with you. Before we get to the show-ending nightly TV guide, Tom alluded to it, uh, but another commitment for Auburn, however, 2025 yep. class. 2025 class, four-star defensive tackle. Kalen Edwards out of Dyersville, Tennessee, uh, committed to Auburn literally like a minute before we went to that break. It popped up on uh, on social media. 6'4", 305, so uh, big old boy. Uh, and that means he's a junior in high school, so he, is a he can put more weight, <laughs> yeah. weight on if they want him to. So, uh, and we talked a little bit about it off the air. You know, this uh, obviously this class uh, for for twenty twenty four has a chance to grow and be that top ten class. And you're really hoping, you know, if you if you get a guy like Coleman, if you if you get uh, Williams to uh, reclassify, if he flips and comes here, I mean, you're you're talking hell of a dang class. I don't know that that's all going to happen, but now the 2025 class is shaping up to be something special. Right. We need to get Cole Pinkston on our buddy again soon. Uh, this is also for me mentally noted. Uh, and I would love to ask him if the reclassification part of Ryan Williams affects where he goes. Well, Like if he really wants to do it, and one one wants him to do it, and one doesn't. Or if you know what I'm saying, like I, I would love to know if 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 there's a if there's a more likely he goes to this school this year or this school the other year. Like if it's say if he reclassifies, he's more likely to go to Auburn. If he doesn't, he's more likely to go to Alabama. I I, I don't know uh, if if that uh, is known or not. But I don't know that it, I my gut instinct would tell me that if he reclassifies that he stays with Bama, that if he does not and Auburn has even more time to make up more ground, then there's that. But I, but then again, there's also that knee-jerk reaction. If he's ready to reclassify and if Cam Coleman's ready to pull the trigger and <clears throat> flip to Auburn and you've already got Perry Thompson and uh, Walker White at quarterback and some of these guys that are really pushing and recruiting these guys, I, you know, maybe. I, I don't know. But goodness it's gracious! Something if, I would if, if Auburn if Auburn's able to bring in that wide receiver class, oh, yeah, good, that will be the highest expectations night. for a group of receivers oh, ever on. at Auburn. That's dumb yeah. to get that, but that's that's that feels like pie in the sky thing. I mean, they have yeah. 
they've got the guys they have. I mean, just trying to flip. It's already a good group. Yeah. It's already a good group. But, you know, trying to flip Cam Coleman, that that feels good. It feels better now. But it also felt good when all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm going to A&M. And you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. every crystal ball had him coming to Auburn. And A&M wasn't even in the picture. And it was all of a sudden it's like A&M. Like, whoa. That – Eh? Yeah. What? Wonder how much he likes Mike Elko. That'd be the yeah. question now. Who the offensive coordinator is going to be? That's going to be going to be an important question for him in yeah. the next couple of weeks for sure. And are they willing to offer him more nil money? Well, <laughs> yeah. And if if those offers if those numbers change, but yeah, Kalen yeah. Edwards uh, is the four star commit for twenty twenty five on three lists. And by the way, Tom at three hundred twenty five pounds. Okay. Uh, so boy. again, there's still room to eat for him and yeah. just his uh, junior year. Uh, about out of time for the show. Real quickly, time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight we start off with a couple of, I guess just one actually, uh, sports pick. I was assuming there's a couple, but I guess a little slower night. The National Football League, Monday Night Football, 715 ESPN, Chicago Bears, Justin Fields has returned from injury. They take on Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings, who have been looking much better the last really four or five weeks pre-Kirk Cousins injury, too. A lot of movies for you, uh, and depending on uh, what you like there, you can have a Men in Black marathon. Men in Black 2 is at 615 on FXM, and at 8 o'clock it's Men in Black 3. You also can get in the holiday season a little bit. 7 o'clock on TNT, it's Elf. Hey, and like 7.25 on Freeform, it's Frozen 2. And that's Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hotel. So when we get closer to time, we'll have the uh, Christmas movie discussions and the Die Hard being Christmas movie and you know, all, all those good <laughs> debates. Uh, we'll, we'll get into those a little bit later. I've never seen Die Hard, so... It's going to be tough. I have no to opinion. Tw- yeah, sure. <laughs> Not a Christmas. Uh, but that's Sports Calls Nightly TV Ibers and my white claw heart seltzer. That will do it for this Monday edition of the program. Brant Daughtry, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again. If not later this week, we'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. And Tom PV, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll be here. Enjoy it. That will do it for the show today. Again, reminder, tomorrow's show will be roughly a half a show with Borgard basketball taking place around 445 or 5 o'clock. So, again, about a half a show tomorrow. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in today. For Brant Dontry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.